They have a combined 12 years in the National Football League. They combined for 65 career sacks, 232 tackles, one Pro Bowl selection, and one Employee of the Month award. That's just a straight shooter with upper management written all over him. It's Train and Gross on the All-AZ Podcast Network. Welcome in, Train and Gross, episode number 40. Wow. Episode number 40, Train and Gross. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Black and White Cookie. <laughs> now, because it's 40 and it was, it's number 40, uh, is this podcast going through a midlife crisis? <laughs> It wants to go by a Corvette. I just needs to know. Yeah, to buy a, Corvette. a red one. A red, a red Corvette. Corvette after the show. <laughs> We're getting started early, brother. Question for you, though. When yes. it comes to the black and white cookie. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, more, more, please. And we all did it. So I'm assuming I may be already answering my own question. But when you eat the black and white cookie, yep. you have to take your first bite right down the middle, right? Where Without you a little question. bit of left, a little Without bit of right, a little bit of white, a little bit of black. Without question. I think it's the only way to, to do start. it. start. And it's delicious. Well, once, because once you get a couple bites in, then it becomes impossible. You've got to bite your way back to it. Yeah, so then I went chocolate, yeah. then vanilla to end it up. That's All right. Just I still pers- got a personal preference, I guess. <laughs> I, got, I got a handful of chocolate left. I said uh, before we started recording, I believe. Wow. <laughs> I never know what's being recorded around here. No, you don't. Uh, <laughs> you don't. And it'll make its yeah. way online. You be yeah. careful now. Yeah. <laughs> you would, you wouldn't careful. dare. You be careful yeah. now. Just like with handful of chocolate. I don't I even remember. Oh, I was just, was just, just saying, say, this is like a... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Bertrand Barry. I said, this is getting to be like a kid's soccer game. Like, we got snacks beforehand. Like, you know... Uh, and it's important. You, you, You're going to be judged. Miss Tasty's pretzels. If you, if you come weak with the snacks, you will be judged. I'm just telling you. Sean, Sean, Sean ponied up for some uh, apple, apple fritters, fritters not yeah, too long ago. Yeah. Now the black and white cookies. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. like when we got the sign-up sheet when you were kids. Orange yeah. slices and juice boxes and, and all that fun stuff. I feel like Horshack from uh, Welcome Back Carter. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I got next. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> that may be a little. T- that may be out of the range of, of a lot of the listeners. Though. That's good stuff. That's 70s. <laughs> yeah. 70s throwback. Yeah. But anyways. Podcast number 40, and it number coincides 40. with the elimination of the Phoenix Suns. But, you know, yeah. we're, we're, we're recording this on a Friday, so we're several days removed. Um, and I think the disappointment, obviously, that you're going to feel after losing in the NBA Finals as a fan base is... It's dis- not going away. I was going to say it's dissipating a no, little bit. No, 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 no. Not that you'll ever be happy with it, but I think understanding... And I, you know, I listened during the day, listened to a lot of sports talk radio around the Valley and uh, even the Dan Patrick show. So I don't know who to give this credit for to when I'm going to say this. But um, if I would have come in here when we were recording the podcast closest to the start of the NBA season and said, guys, you know, it's I guarantee you that when we do this in July, we're going to be talking about the Suns in the NBA finals. You both would have laughed me out of the room and rightfully so at the time. So when you put it in the context of what the expectations were yep. of this Phoenix Suns team to what they delivered, that's the part I'm talking about in terms of the understanding. And, and like I said, you're never going to be happy with a loss. Understand that. But that's kind of where I'm going with that comment. Mike, we could even talk about the beginning of the playoffs. We talked about what would be a satisfactory season right? for the Phoenix Suns. And we said if they were to win one or two playoff series, that would be satisfactory for this team. It would be something to build on. And... Nobody, even at that point, did we think that they would make a run all the way to the finals. Now, to be fair, 
both teams had a lot of luck mm-hmm. in order to get to the finals. But anytime that you make a run in the playoffs sure. in any professional sport, luck has to play a role. There yep. is going to be good fortune bestowed upon those teams that are playing for the championship. So to say that this is the, a unique year where the, you know injuries just played a role, that's not fair because no. there have been plenty of seasons. And just about every season, you can look towards an injury or something happened late in the season that, that derailed a team that everybody thought was a, a surefire, can't-miss team that was going to play for a championship, and they found themselves on the outside looking at it. And there's plenty of oppor- uh, stories when you can look at teams that were given the opportunity yeah. and didn't take advantage of it. Yes. Right? So to your point, you get lucky if you want to call it that, or you're good presented, fortune. With good an fortune. Op- presented with an opportunity, good fortune, of playing an opponent who maybe is not at 100%. Maybe their key player is going through some injuries, whatever the case may be. That's fine. You still got to beat them. You know, in the case of the NBA, you still got to figure out a way to win four games against the Lakers. That's right. Still got to figure out figure out a way to beat the Nuggets and the Clippers. So you don't have to apologize for it because, you know, you could go back to that Lakers series and, and when the Suns were down, you're like, damn, it doesn't matter. Like, that, there's that big a difference. They figured it out yep. and they dispatched with the Los Angeles Lakers. Yes. So don't apologize for it. No. Because you go back in history and say, look, look at this team that did not take advantage of that opportunity they were given. So it is what it is. It's part of sports. Mike, there are so many different ways we can go with this. First, I think we have to give Giannis Antetokounmpo a lot of credit for what he was able to do. Coming from that that last series where we weren't sure if he was even going to play in the final. Didn't play against the Hawks. Didn't play in the game seven where they clinched or game six where they clinched it. And and then you find him in the first game still kind of gimpy, not really looking like the Giannis that we've come to expect out of a two-time MVP and defensive player of the year. And... My goodness, he came back with a vengeance and he let it be known that the knee is fine and I am here to win a championship because we talked about it. And, and even though we had the cookie already, Mike, we should have dipped a little crow in there, too, because we both said that there's no way that the Milwaukee Bucks could come back and win four out of the next five. Well, they won four straight. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I digress and, and I give the Bucks all the credit in the world. They did what they needed to do. And they were led by their superstar in Giannis Antetokounmpo, who was rightfully so named the unanimous finals MVP. So here's the thing for me, when you look at, at Giannis and how he, you know, just if there was ever a question about it, put it on full display in this finals. In game six, not, not anything. 17 for 19. That was right where I'm going. 17 for 19. Because what was Mike. the one key? What was the knock? What are you going to do? One, two, yeah. three, four, five, six, yeah. seven. That was the knock. And even, you know, so you got the fans in Phoenix taking full advantage of it. You've got the announcers talking about it. Well, you know, you get, get the ball in his hands and whatever happens, happens. And he even talked about it. 17 of 19. Yes. You know, you talk, to me, that goes to, to a certain mental toughness at that point. Oh, because laser focus, Mike. Right? Laser focus. You, you, you do that and you, you, you hit it head on if you yes. know you got that problem. Because you know what's going to happen in that game. If you're the Suns, you did the right thing. It didn't work out too well, 17 to 19. But putting him on the line for 19 tries at the beginning of the game, you're like, okay, that's a recipe for success. And he's like, no, no, it's not, because I'm going to look like Isaiah Thomas right now shooting free throws. Mike, if he hits his free throws and he develops an outside shot, what is the NBA going to do with Giannis Antetokounmpo? He's 26. He's got room. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. but, but, but think about it. Think about what he's already accomplished. He's already an all, he was all rookie his rookie year. He was most improved uh, a year. I forget, like 2017. 
He's already been a two-time MVP. He's been a defensive player of the year. He's been an all-star game MVP. Now he's the finals MVP. What else is it going to take for people to finally look at this man and say he is one of the best, if not the best player in the game right now? I, I think there's no question about that, to, to your point. you know, At 26. As, as he is he's right done all now, that at 26. As, as he is at 26, he's all that. And to your point, there's a couple, if you're giving criticism or feedback, there's a couple areas he could shore up if he does it. And based on our conversation about the free, free throws, do you think he won't do it? Like this guy, you know, the, 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 the motivation, the drive, whatever. You want to have fun. Go back and read the draft previews. Yes. Yes. And, and there was one guy, and I wish I would have saved it so we could give credit where credit's due. They said they gave his upside-downside potential of who he might compare to mm. in the NBA. Mm. And the upside, if he develops well and, and, and works on his game, he could become a Lamar Odom. Wow. That's, that's who the comparison was <laughs> oh on the upside. Gosh. And, you know, but everything else, it was spot on in terms of where he was. The one thing that you don't capture in a draft, draft preview, particularly when you see a kid coming over from Europe the way he did playing yes. in Greece yes. is that work ethic, that drive, what, what, what the mental part of the game is. Yes. And that's everything you're seeing here is the mental part of the game, the willingness to go work, the willing to hone your craft and get better, not be satisfied with the fact that you got here and look for ways to improve. And he, he's done it, man. 50-50 in, in, in a deciding game. And the fact that he stayed with a low or a smaller market team, the fact that he didn't go chase a ring by combining with another set of all stars, and he talked about it in, his, in the press game. He snubbed his nose with that idea. Absolutely, he's like, I mean, yeah, that's easy to do. Anybody can go do that, but I chose to stay. And and the fact that he showed loyalty to the team that drafted him that spoke a lot. But I, I took a few notes in reference to the Suns, Mike. Yep. And here are a couple things that stand out to me about the Suns. This was a great run by Monty Williams and Devin Booker and Chris Paul and, and uh, DeAndre Ayton. All these guys elevated their level of play, and I think they all walked away with a, a lion's share of respect around the NBA. But here's some things that are actually things that I feel like are going to be daunting things that they're going to have to overcome. One, they're going to have to find another great score. They're going to have to find another guy that can put the ball in the hole on a consistent basis. You can't just rely on your two guards because one's 30 set, 36, mm -hmm. one on 37. If he decides to come back, that's still up in the air. That's on the list, yep. That, that's on the list. But then you think about Chris Paul, will he ever be – a dominant player that can consistently play throughout the course of the playoffs because we saw him at his all-time best as far as availability this year. We, we weren't sure how available he was going to be, but he wound up getting over the shoulder, getting over COVID and coming back and, and being that difference maker in the conference finals against the, the, the LA Clippers. And then you saw him in games one and two look like Chris Paul that we've always known him to be, mm -hmm. CP3. But then you go games three through six it, it it didn't look like the same chris paul the injury whatever was whatever happened he just didn't look the same something was was very uh poignant there, there was a certain point in this series where he went from looking like cp3 to just chris paul the old guy mm -hmm. and and i don't know what that was he wouldn't talk about it but they're gonna have to look at that the other aspect of this mike is they're gonna have to try to get back through the west again yeah like, this was a magical run. There was never going to be a better opportunity to win a championship than this year. Because let me just name a few teams. I, I wrote this down. 
Dallas is going to be up and coming. Utah was the number one seed this year. The both LA teams, Clippers and the Lakers, mm-hmm. you know they're not going. The Lakers are definitely not going to stand pat. No, and and have LeBron James and Anthony Davis waste their prime years. I, I that, that's that's not going to happen. You still got Denver, who's got yeah. the reigning MVP. Oh, by the way, and then Golden State will be back. Yep, Clay Thompson will be back. Steph Curry will be back. Draymond Green will be back, and you know they're going to try to add a piece and. There's still other teams we haven't even talked about, Mike. Well, so to the point in, in terms of the Suns in this offseason, who's front and center on this uh, this keeping it together yeah. and building for the future is yeah. Robert Sarver. Like, th- he's got some decisions to make. But really, James Jones. If Robert Sarver does what he did just this year and allow James Jones to be what he was. What he did this offseason, this past offseason, will have to be duplicated and, in, and increased. In terms of the financial commitment. Sure. Is, did Robert Sarver learn enough and enjoy this enough mm. to say the checkbook is open? And by the checkbook, I mean paying the players and then the residual luxury tax implications. Because that's really what it's going to take. Because you're going to have to spend some money. You're going to have to spend some serious money. And cause to your point, like w- w- when you look at this roster, you know, and I think you know, part, of the, part of the grieving process has morphed into the 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 what do we do about and how do we feel about Chris yes. Paul? You know, because you could go on Twitter and there's two camps. Like, we got to have him back, whatever it takes, got to have him back. And then the other side is the, screw that, man, look at him. Like, what the, the negative narrative. Like, didn't do it again in the finals. Down, you know, up 0-2, loses. It's neither is entirely true, I don't think, but there are some questions. What are you going to do with DA? He's due. You know, you're going to have to take care of him now. I don't know how high that number goes, but I think it's higher now than it was at the end of the regular season, and D.A.'s got to stay. And then you got to figure out the rest of it. You need another guard on this team, you know, because even if you get Chris Paul back, who's your point guard of the future? Like, you know, so you got a lot of questions that come up. And I looked at it. The Bucks have already made that decision. Their big three are locked up for an additional, at the, at the end of it, Three years, Giannis more than that. Yes, but Drew Holiday, yes, Chris Middleton, yes, and uh, obviously Giannis, they're all back. Yeah, for one, two, three more years. So they've had that decision. Yeah, you can go on the sites that track that. You know, uh, Giannis got the supermax, and the other two are on the bird exceptions. And so they've made that decision. They've made that commitment. And so now you've got to see that here. Mike, the number forty-four was the first number I ever wore playing profe- or playing football, team organized football. It's ironic that we're having this discussion about Chris Paul because there is a one-year, $44 million deal for Chris Paul. He, he's got a player option. He can either opt in or opt out. When we went into the playoffs, we said he is worth that and some. Mm-hmm. We both sat up here. The three of us sat up here and we just said, oh, there is no doubt. One year, $44 million for Chris Paul, what he's brought to the table, yep. absolutely you bring him back. Now – Fast forward to the end of the finals, and we saw Chris Paul at the end not looking like CP3. Are you willing to pay $44 million for one year to run that back with CP3, not knowing if he can give it to you when you need it most? Well, right. Or, you know, one at 44 is an interesting question. And if, if, if he opts out, but you're still in the conversation, three at 90, three at 100? It's not going to be 44. So it, it won't be per year, but that overall investment yeah, no, but I'm will saying be substantial. To, to, to have the services of Chris Paul is not going to be just $44 million now. It's, oh, no, exactly. I think we're on the same page yes, there. It, it, it's going to be much more expensive. His price went up, unfortunately. Yeah. And I just wonder if you're Robert Sarver, to your point, Mike, if he feels 
that he can commit that type of money to an agent, to a 36-year-old who we just saw barely got through an entire season healthy? Yeah. No, I think it's a great question, and I think you're exactly right. It's a two-part conversation if, if, if this team is to move forward. It's Robert Sarver making a commitment and, and saying, look, here's what we can do financially, whatever that is. And it's mm-hmm. his money. Far mm-hmm. be it from me mm-hmm. or anybody else to mm-hmm. say, here's how you should spend it. Yep. But the question is, does he make that commitment, which would include player salaries and the looming salary tax if you go all in for all the things that you need to do? That's step number one. Right. And then step number two, the point that you made and I agree with, which is then turn over complete control to your general manager and let him do what he did very well this year. Yes. Right? Let him do what he did very well. And so that's the question. Do you see those two things happen? It's like a one and a one A in my mind. You, got, you can't say, well, go ahead and do it but, to James Jones, but then you got to run every little decision by me. Through me. No, right? Can't you know, because if I'm on my boat in San Diego and you can't find me and you got a deal to make, yep. you need to know you have the ultimate authority to make those deals, even if it's going to cost me a lot of money down the line. But from a f- philosophy standpoint, Mike, are you willing to put your hat in the ring with all those teams that I mentioned? Because the only way you can stay in contention with all those teams, you got to pay. Got in to. today's NBA, you've got to pay to be in contention. You can't just run that back and try to play it cheap and stay on the court yep. with the L.A. Clippers, L.A. Lakers, the Utah Jazz, the, De- the Dallas Mavericks, Denver Nuggets, the Golden State Warriors, because you know those teams have already tasted a little bit of success, and they know that it pay, it, you, there's a cost to be the boss. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting. Like, you got your big, big names you got to take care of. Obviously, Chris Paul, D.A., what we're going to do here. Then the other thing, too, is kind of those – secondary decisions which at the time seem inconsequential but when you do make these runs and you lose a guy like Dario Saric because mm. how you know that was killer Mike that that proved to be a huge loss because it exposed DA in some respect like you know the putting all that pressure on him no offense to Frank, having a guard Giannis no offense to Frank the tank but you need a guy like Dario yeah absolutely right, right. so that, that's what I'm saying. You got your big decisions, mm-hmm. but once you get to one through five locked down, yeah. six, uh, I don't know how deep you need to go, but six, yeah. seven, eight, those yeah. are important decisions. Yeah. And, and you know, Mike, I, I think to wrap it up, you know, you have to give a lot of credit to the Milwaukee Bucks. Credit. They earned that. Yeah. They did what they needed to do. They, they got a, a much needed win here in Phoenix, which I wasn't sure if was going to be possible with the way that this crowd was bringing it each and every night. But they did what they had to do, and, and, and they were able to, to wrap it up on their home turf. And uh, you got to be happy for Giannis because the, the way that he did it. Yeah. He did it the right way. He didn't ring chase by going somewhere else. He stayed loyal, and he worked his tail off, Mike. He is the epitome of hard work will get you everything you want in life. Absolutely. Uh, two quick things related before we get out of here. Uh, a lot of conversation about LeBron sitting front and center courtside for the game here in Phoenix. Any issues with that? Like, I mean, uh, I thought it was genius on his part. I mean, he was he had everything that he was trying to sell on full display, including a full liquor bottle. Right. He had. I mean, he was he was advertising everything: sunglasses, liquor bottle, shirt. Oh, there by was, the way, you have a movie out. Oh, like, by the way, I have a movie out. I mean, he, he was a walking bill. He was a walking 10, 20-second commercial. He really was. Yeah. And I think for him. Now, of course, he's going to wrap it into I'm, 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 I'm supporting my friend Chris Paul. Right. And, and for, first and foremost, yes, because he did pay his own money to sit in that seat because mm-hmm. that seat was not cheap by any stretch of the imagination. But 
for what he gained, I thought it was brilliant for him yeah. to go out there and be front court. A lot of people upset about that, saying he was tampering or whatever. It's uh, <laughs> their best friend. He's godfather to Chris Paul's son. What are you? What are you talking about? I get it. I'm just the the in the moment reaction. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, it, it just sounds like a little jealousy. It's to me. because of the the fact that Magic Johnson tweeted out 30 minutes after the game was over that Chris Paul should come. Uh, be a Laker next year, and then you had LeBron there courtside, and so people are kind of like, you cares know, what talking o- about the whole tampering ways, but what? Magic Johnson's not tied to the Lakers at all technically yeah, what, anymore. Who cares so. what the owner of the Dodgers thinks about the... Yeah, and, and I mean, okay, who is he supposed to cheer for? He played his whole career. Where? For the Lakers. Right. He didn't have a secondary team. He didn't have a third team or a fourth team to, to, to talk up. He's speaking about one team and one team only, so if he's talking about, you know, Chris Paul coming to play where he used to play... Well, what do you think he's talking about? I got you. I, I just, it's just interesting to see the reaction yeah. to certain things. Well, I mean, LeBron is going to always be that lightning rod. He's yeah. going to be a yeah. controversial figure every, no matter what he well, does. Well, and you touched on it a minute ago. It's kind of the opposite of the Giannis point of view, like to your point. Like, you know, if you could give him a shot of that truth serum and say, what are you really <laughs> doing here? It's like, damn, I want Chris Paul to play with me next damn. year in Los Angeles. And that's the exact opposite of, of the Giannis thing. Something that the commissioner a couple years ago actually nixed because yep. before he was going to go to play with the Clippers, he, there was a deal in place for him to play with the Lakers and Kobe and all those guys. Second thing to, uh, to talk about real quickly, uh, coach going in the locker room after, after the game. Uh, you know, I, Great moment. When, when they played it, I thought, man, what a class act. Great it really moment. reinforces everything. But again... Maybe it's our social media or 24-7 cable sports networks. you got to have something to talk about. Uh, Monty Williams taking a little bit of heat saying, uh, I, and I'm going to paraphrase here, but look at, look at Monty Williams trying to make it about him, which I, I don't understand and certainly don't agree with. Oh, that's just an unnecessary shot. Mike, as far back as I can remember watching pro basketball, I remember players on the losing teams going into the locker room and congratulating the other. Remember, before the, the 2000s, basically, there was no real celebration on the court. Everything was done in the locker room. Right. The trophy was presented in the locker room. The guys had the, the, the paper or the plastic all over the lockers because they were going to you know, spray the champagne everywhere. That's where everything happened. And so only in recent history do you see these stages being brought out at the end of the game and, and uh, these platforms that the players and, and their family and loved ones are supposed to stand on and, 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 and get all of this, this attention and, and, and praise. So I, I always, one of my favorite memories is Magic Johnson pouring champagne all over Isaiah Thomas yeah. after they had just fought like dogs yeah. on the court. I mean, they went after each other. They kissed each other in game one. Remember? And then they went after each other, and they probably socked each other in game two. You yeah, know what I mean? No, so, totally. And, but I, I always remember him in his Laker uniform pouring that, that, that champagne over the top of Isaiah Thomas's head, yeah. congratulating his friend. Yeah. I thought it was unnecessary. And like I said, I think it's a byproduct of kind of the, the era that we just live salty. in. Where people, just salty. Just salty. People got, you know. take advantage of whatever platform they're on yeah. to, to throw shade on somebody because – Whatever else you want to say about Monty Williams. Class it, act. Class act all the way. And, and nothing in his DNA that he's shown us is uh, it's about him. No. You know, it's not a me, me, me thing. It's, it's, it's the exact opposite, if anything. Mike, we talked about this on The Last Dance. We remember the scene when they're on the bus, the, the Bulls are on the bus, and who but Carl Malone comes on the bus. Yep. And congratulates those guys by person by person. Hey, congratulations, congratulations, congratulations. Yep. You guys, you guys did it. You guys did it. 
that's been going on since the beginning of time, Mike. These guys compete like heck when they're on when they're on the court. But then once it, the clock reaches triple zero, they go back to being human and they go back to being friends and and guys that actually pull from one another in the big scheme of things. And uh, Sean just handed me the uh, the actual clip out of the Arizona Republic. Uh, how do you say this guy's name? Can you bail me out here? Amin. Amin. Mm-hmm. Amin Allison, yeah. uh, former Suns executive. Oh, Amin Hassan. Yeah. yeah. Hassan, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, he's the one that he was, was on, the, on, on the Rich Eisen show. Yes, yeah, on the Rich Eisen show. And so the question is, the former, put that in quotes, Suns executive, is it partly salty or is it... No, par- he, he, he has a history of making... He, he, he goes against the grain sometimes. Okay. He, he goes with a hot take at times. Right. But the quote is, let me just start by saying Monty Williams is an excellent human being. Uh, he's literally one of the best among us, a genuine good guy who was well-liked and treats everybody respectfully and treats his job respectfully, a very good coach. I thought he did an awesome job with this team, not just this year, but last year. I thought he did an awesome job in these finals. It's hard to, to stop something like Giannis. I wish nothing but the best for Monty. There's always that but, though, right? But. He said, having said that, I felt it was a little too look-at-me Louie out there. I mean, you're going, you're, you're going to walk into the winner's locker room in the middle of their championship celebration, make them pause the celebration to say a big speech about how you've made us a better coach and how you've made us a better team. Come on. No, you quote. come on, I mean. That's the quote. That, that's, that's insane. Because, again, I can name at least five guys that I can remember being on the losing team, going into the locker room mm-hmm. of the winning team and congratulating. Even go back to the hated Lakers and Celtics series. I remember uh, Kevin McHale and all those guys going into the Lakers locker room. I remember Magic going up to Bird. Those guys had the profound respect for one another. And, of course, they wanted to win. But when the clock reached triple zero, they go back to being contemporaries and they go back to being friends. The 2021 NBA season in the books. uh, Mm. And I'm sure it's something we're going to come back to a lot in coming weeks and months. What are we going to watch on TV now? Well, we got to your point, we got a few precious weeks to catch our breath before training. (laughs) NFL Network, they bounce from camp to camp. You watch guys just running around in shorts. It's great. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, so we got a few weeks. (laughs) Diamondbacks are playing the Cubs this weekend. Oh. We got that going. <laughs> All right. On the other side, we'll jump into some NFL. Uh, as we said, uh, that is uh, coming front and center and found a, found a reason to be uh, on the front page this, uh, this morning when uh, some news came out. So we'll keep it going on Train and Gross. Train and Gross. Train and Gross. Follow us on Twitter. This is easy. At Train and Gross. <laughs> How easy, keep it simple, don't we? how easy is that? And if you, if you follow us on Twitter, you get to see what shirt B-Train wears every Friday. That's right. When we record this thing. That's right. Papa Bear. Papa Bear, baby. Last week's shirt Papa. got some reaction. That was a good one. Oh, yeah. Father's Day shirt. Yeah. I mean, All right. Yeah. NFL training camp in uh, some places, two teams, it's open because they're getting ready to Steelers play in the Steelers and Hall. the Cowboys. Yeah, exactly. They play in the Hall. Your two favorite teams. Two favorite teams in the whole wide world. Um, and there's a huge story, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this one first so I don't forget. Okay. Um, and then we'll get to the big news of, of the week. Calvin Johnson did an interview with uh, one of the Detroit newspapers. And uh, the reporter, who, it was a really good interview, uh, talking about getting ready uh, for him going into the Hall of Fame. Correct. And uh, asked him words to the effect of, you know, how are you going to acknowledge or how are you going to mention the Detroit Lions as part of your Hall of Fame speech? And he didn't come out and say, I'm not, but he kind of came out and said, mm, not really worried about it. Yeah. So 
Um, I can you, give you the actual quote because it do. is kind of funny. Uh, Calvin Johnson says, I'm definitely going to bring up a lot of people that I'm thankful for. There's so many people during my career that had an impact, and those specific people I'm going to try to thank. At least I have them on the ticker, but I'm not going to mention everybody. As far as the Lions, hey, I got nothing to say. Wow. You played your entire career with the Detroit Lions. Which turned into a Hall of Fame career with the Detroit Lions. And you got nothing to say. And this isn't the first time with this franchise. You remember how fractured Barry the relationship was with Barry Sanders. And it was, it was like, you, you think about political events, like, you know, trying to broker a peace deal. You know, it played out in the Detroit newspapers as they tried to repair the relationship with Barry Sanders, which they've done. Mm. And Barry Sanders is now back in the fold and a happy member. of. But how is this so hard to figure out for some teams? And you look at the Lions. I'm from Detroit. I lived through this nonsense. Yeah. I can tell you about misery in the Pontiac Silverdome growing yeah. up. Yep. Ford Field now. How hard is this for some teams to figure out? Like, I don't even care. I, I mean, you do ultimately care. But when you hear about them, like, treating their, 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 the face of their franchise, the superstars of the franchise, the, the, one of the few things, you look at Calvin Johnson's career, look at Barry Sanders' career, and how bad these teams were in total. There were some good things, but in total, these were bad football teams over eras. How hard is it for these teams to hold up the shining examples of what was right during those time frames. It is hard. I think it's hard because there were so many things at play, Mike. There were a lot of conversations that I'm sure we'll never be privy to that had profound effect on the relationships with Calvin Johnson and the Detroit Lions and Barry Sanders and the Detroit Lions. I'm sure they can rattle off at least three, four mm-hmm. conversations that they will never forget. Like, man, I can't believe they said this to me. I can't believe they said that to me. Right a guy that was willing to give them everything and they still didn't find it in their, in their heart and in their, their, their logic to do the right thing by me. So it's unfortunate. Think about Barry Sanders and the brilliance that he was and the nightmare that he was for me. I remember having nightmares trying to tackle this man. I have two career tackles, Mike. I've told you this. I've, I had 65 career regular season sacks in my career and I'm telling you I would take those two tackles over those 65 sacks. That's how much I think of Barry Sanders. We talk about it all the time, Sean Crespin and I, when we talk about movies. Like, if a movie comes on and it's halfway through, do you stop and watch it at that time? I say the same thing about any time you go online and, and either somebody posts it or you come across Barry Sanders' highlights. You got to watch it. You have to watch you, them all. And I could have seen... can't believe it. There's one where the, the Lions, <laughs> they played Tampa. Obviously, they were in the same division. And they were wearing the popsicle uniform. The creamsicles, yeah, baby. And, and Barry Sanders destroyed the Buccaneers. Yeah. And I'm sure yeah. I've seen that 20 times. I, if it came on my phone right now, if you sent me Never gets the old. YouTube clip, I would watch it beginning to end. Yeah. His, Barry His birthday Sanders. was recent, so they, 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 they were playing it. a lot of clips the, of Barry. Yeah. The Cowboy highlight where he literally turns dude around twice oh, is, is it had, it's disrespectful. Well, no, that was the Patriots. Patriots was a Patriots. Was Patriots yeah. Literally turns him yeah. around twice. The yes. Cowboys ones where he bounces around a million yeah. times. Like a pinball scores. against yeah. his, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the, the Patriots, that dude spins twice. Yeah. It's, it's sensational. And if you're the Ford family, you get that man to the point where right before the season starts, he's like, no, I cannot do this. I can't do it anymore. I'm going to walk away from this. Mike, he only played 10 seasons. Right. And it took Emmitt Smith five additional seasons to catch and surpass Barry Sanders. And we've had, I know we've had, somewhere you and I have had this conversation, whether it be on the radio show or on this podcast, and this is no disrespect to Emmitt Smith. Mm. 
to, to, to do what Emmett Smith did is remarkable. He's got the, 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 the kudos, the accolades, the rings. Three but you look at what he had around him while he was doing it versus what Barry Sanders had around him while he did what he did. My goodness. And it's not even close. It's not even close. Not even. And, and you know, this is the easy argument. What happens if you put Barry Sanders in, a, uh, in on those Cowboys uh, team and let Emmett Smith go to Detroit? Uh, I mean, can you imagine a, a small Barry Sanders with those mammoths? Of, of offensive linemen that the Cowboys had back in the day, like trying to find Barry over that man mountain, yeah. that, that, <laughs> that seat of humanity. I mean, my goodness, it, it would have been a nightmare. And they played on turf as well. So just imagine yeah. him at Texas Stadium running roughshod, doing, oh. That's, really, that's a great point because one of the highlights ended with Lomas Brown picking up Barry Sanders oh, yeah. in the interview. And Lomas Brown is a man mountain, right? Yes, he is. And picking him up. And it looked like he was picking his up a son. little kid. Picking up his son. Yeah. Right? We did it, didn't we, son? We did it, Junior. <laughs> but this is a grown man. He's one of the best running backs in the history of the game. And he looked like a little kid. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, it is absolutely crazy. But to me, you know, again, growing up in Detroit, uh, you know, it, it goes to the Ford family. You know, it has to begin and end. You can say, well, they didn't have good coaches. They didn't have good – it begins and ends with your owner. You know, similar to what we talked about, the Suns got a very interesting offseason coming up, and it begins and ends with their owner. The Ford family sucks. At, they make nice cars, I suppose, nice trucks. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Give me a Mustang. Yeah. Absolutely. But they suck at running football teams. Give me a Ford teams. F-150, too. There you F-250. Go. There you go. You know, they suck at running story. football teams. I mean, Mike, look at, look at what just happened with Matthew Stafford. I'm sure Matthew Stafford probably has some of those same conversations we just talked about. I'm sure there's about three or four where he's like, I really can't believe that they actually took that stance. I can't believe that they're not willing to work with me here, and I'm doing everything that I can to help them win. Barry Sanders and his brilliance only had one playoff win, Mike. Think about that. In 10 years. And you didn't learn your lesson with Calvin Johnson. Calvin Johnson? How about Barry Sanders? How about Billy Sims? Well, okay, we can go all the way back if you want. (laughs) Steve Owens before him. Believe me, I I, I feel that. I feel it. But what I'm saying is like the era, right? So Mm. whatever happened to Billy Sims, unfortunately for him, happened in the 70s before they got a lot of coverage. Steve Owens before Billy Sims. Point taken, but what 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 was the what was the what was the common denominator? The owners. The owners. That's my, but my point is the way that the B- Barry Sanders thing went so public in terms of how he left and why he left. He was the all-time leading rusher, Mike. Uh, no, exactly. That's my point. Like this blew up, and you look so so bad right. as this if you're the Ford family. Right. So if if you're smart, if you can run a multi-trillion-dollar auto company, and 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 you should be able to figure these things out. You should be able. So the next time it happens, Calvin Johnson, mm. don't do what you did to Barry Sanders. Matthew Treat Stafford. the man with a little respect. Yeah. Make the man feel like you appreciate what you're doing while he wears your uniform. Matthew, I mean, He's wearing your uniform. The list goes on and on, Mike. We, we talked about Barry <sighs> Sanders. We talked about Billy Sims. We talked about, you know, there's so many, Mike. I mean, it, the, the list just goes on and on. How many guys can you name off of those old Detroit Lions teams that were great players. They're considered one of the tops. With Alex Karras, wasn't he a, a, a Detroit Lion yeah. Hall of Famer as well? I mean, I'm sure he's got some stories as well. It, the, the underlying theme of it is you talk about a, a, an organization that is not run well, but yet you had some of the all-time great players at their positions play for this team, and they have, other than their Hall of Fame ring and jacket, they have nothing to show for it. Which is a lot. I mean, the Hall of Fame ring and jacket is is significant. But other than, you know, that, they don't have championship rings or anything like that. I posted something on social media recently, and and 
you know, again, this is very Detroit-centric, but uh, a player by the name of Al Baker played for Detroit. Yep. Bubba Baker. Bubba Baker, yeah. And uh, he played at a time before they counted sacks as an official stat. Yeah. And they did an interview with him now that they're recognizing his numbers, saying that literally he sat on his couch and cried when he read that. Wow. Right? And you talk about a guy, again, you know, here's a guy that um, I caddied for him once in a golf tournament. Wow. Nicest man in the world. Wow. Nicest man in the world. He's like 6'8". Yeah. You big know, man. Big, big man. Gentle giant. Yeah. Couldn't play golf worth a damn. He was at a charity <laughs> tournament, but the nicest man in the world. But you talk about a guy who toiled in a city like Detroit, and then when he gets recognized 30-plus years after he played the game, his daughter called and said, hey, I found the." He sat on his couch and cried when he heard about that. You I know? mean, that, that's, that's so that's sad, show, Right? And it, show, it shows you, again, the Ford family, because this mm. is the common denominator all, all the way back. It. All the way back. All right. Speaking of owners, uh, mm. you know, this was kind of the warm-up. Yeah. <laughs> this is the hors d'oeuvre to our yeah. owner segment yeah. in the NFL. Yeah. Um, look, you know, I, I don't know where I want to go with this. I mean, the story is the NFL took an extremely hard line as it relates to COVID vaccinations with personnel. So you're talking about non-players. So anybody who's affiliated with the teams, I think they call them tier one employees is what I read. There you go. Uh, so coaches, trainers, anybody who's in the facility on a daily Broadcast basis teams. doing anything related to the team. Yep. And then there's the separate issue with the players. Well, it's really the owners in the NFLPA. Yep. Uh, in terms of uh, the the decision they came down with, in terms of the penalties, and it really is I, penalties might be an understatement of what will happen if teams have to forfeit games due to COVID issues in 2021. We dealt with it, I thought, fairly well in 2020. We had some skewed up schedules where we were playing games on weird mm-hmm, days. Mm-hmm. A couple of teams got kind of disadvantaged with the way they shuffled games around. And yep. you play a game on a Sunday, then you don't play again until the following Thursday, but then you got whatever. So you had some weird scheduling. We had games but, every day of the week last year. For the first time ever. Ever. But, but to the NFL's credit last year, and we mm-hmm. talked about this mm-hmm. when they crowned the Buccaneers the Super Bowl champions. They got through we, it. They got everything done. They, got they did not it. miss any football games last year they got they're taking a hard line this year and they're going to penalize teams and they're going to penalize all the players and i i always throw out that 53-man roster thing Mm -hmm. so if a 53-man roster let's see if the team misses a game due to covid say they have a couple players test positive they can't play the entire 53-man roster is penalized and won't be paid and the game will count as a loss in the standings to the, for those teams. So, Mike, I got a lot of feelings. I got a lot of thoughts about As this As I one. thought you would. Uh, Mike, this is bullying at its core. This is nothing short of bullying. The, the, at, the, at the core of this, the one thing I'll give the NFLPA credit for is that they fought and they said that players had the option because that was the biggest thing. Like, the owners wanted everything to be mandatory. Mandatory that you got the shot mandatory that you were were vaccinated and the NFLPA said no we're not going to do that so once they didn't get that once they didn't get autonomy and and total control then they levied all this out okay well we're just going to turn the players against each other the guys that are playing or the guys that are vaccinated are going to look at the guys that aren't vaccinated but here's the thing Mike here's a few things that they didn't they didn't look at and they didn't think about what if you get an outbreak and it's a player that's been vaccinated. How are you going to treat that then? 
because now they've got all these harsh penalties against players that aren't vaccinated. And if it comes back that they're the the uh, that they're the original contact that that started the whole thing in the, in the organization, then, yeah, not only do they lose their money, but the team that they're playing loses their money as well if they can't come up with an alternate date. So now you've got guys that are uh, 53 on their roster and they're making league minimum, they need every cent that they can get. Yeah. So they're going to look at those guys that aren't vaccinated and say like, hey man, you're, you're costing me money. So now the NFL wipes their hands clean of it and say, hey, look, we're saving face. Look, we're, we're, we're doing all we can per se to, to try to make sure that this is covered. But you're not testing everybody that walks into those stadiums. Right. If you're so worried about COVID, why do you have jams packed stadiums? Why do you have 65,000 people in a, basic, in, a, in a pod, basically, to watch these guys run up and down the field for three and a half hours? Yeah. If you're so concerned about the health of the people that are working for you, then why are you exposing them to all of these outside factors, i.e. the fans, the people that you actually want in the building in the first place? It's because place? we all know what they're really It's worth. about money. Yeah, they're not worried about the health. They're they don't want to have to pay for it. They don't want to have to get sued. Yeah, they're not worried about the health of the P- of anybody. They're worried about the the health of their product that they're able to put on the field on Sundays, Mondays, or Thursday nights, and and that's really it. I mean, that's that's all it boils down to. So it's like any other business, though. You know, you're trying to protect what you what what butters your bread, if you will. But here is a quote out of the uh, out of the memo that was sent in uh, to the to the league or from the league to the players and coaches and staff members and everything else uh, just yesterday. It says if a game is canceled slash postponed because of a club cannot play due to a COVID spike among or resulting from its non-vaccinated players slash staff, then the burden of the cancellation or delay will fall on the club experiencing the COVID infection. We will seek to minimize the burden on the opposing club or clubs. If a club cannot play due to a COVID spike in vaccinated individuals, we will attempt to minimize the competitive and economic burden on both participating teams. But they are saying that they will, you know, last year they moved, let's just, one instance you had the the Titans and the Steelers, right? And the Titans had all the issues, the outbreak, and then there was the pictures of them practicing at the field, you know, the the public field, and they were told not to. The NFL was still okay with that. They fined them or whatever they did. But they moved that Titans game to later in the year, and they bumped the Ravens game up. But that same week, the Ravens had an outbreak. And if you remember, they were going to play – Steelers and Ravens were going to play on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. They moved it to Sunday. Mm-hmm. Then they moved it to Monday. Yep. The damn thing didn't get played till Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. Yep. There was a game every day. So every was, day of the week. Yeah, so they're, but what, they're, what the NFL is saying in this memo is they're not going to – if it's because of non-vaccinated – players they're not going to do that you're going to take a forfeit and if your team is under the 85 percent vaccination that they're shooting for from each right. team you could be on the hook for the financial burden of the whole thing the whole thing as well and i think that i think that goes to and thank you for that clarification because i remember that and it was the steelers ultimately yes who really got jostled got around hosed, with their man. schedule yep. and they weren't the team that tested positive no they were not impacted. To your point, the Titans started the ball rolling, then mm-hmm. the Ravens had their issue, yeah. and the Steelers are sitting there going, where, and our schedule us? gets screwed. Right. They, they basically lost a bite. And I don't think it's don't any think. fluke. When you look at where the kind of the pecking order is in the NFL from an ownership standpoint, mm-hmm. I'm sure somewhere that the, the Rooney family, no. Is that the Rooney's? Yeah, Pittsburgh Steelers, yes. The, the Maras yeah. are the Giants, yeah. right? Those yeah. are the kind yes. of the one Wellington Maras. Yeah. 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 So it was the Rooney family going, dude, we, we got to come up with a plan here so this does not happen to us again. I don't know that that was enough to, you know, by, by Steelers standards, that was a, a poor season last year. But they started 11-0, Mike. They get no, no. no sympathy from me. Yeah, no, that's why, that's why I qualified it with by Steelers standards. But I think you'll both agree with me that it, when, when the owners are together and the Rooney's speak – 
even, even the Jerry Joneses of the world kind of fall in line and listen when it comes to it. So the fact that this came out the way that it did and that already had sign-off from the NFLPA shows me that this was, this was going to happen regardless. But you can, you can understand people like, you know, the reaction we're getting from some of the players, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, obviously, to bring it locally here in Arizona, where, okay, you're putting me in a position where it's going to isolate me from my teammates. Sure. It's going to put me in a position to where I either have to make a personal choice that I don't want to, personal choice, that right. it should be my right, yep. uh, or put myself in a position where I'm, I, I'm, I'm being told or my teammates are being told that I'm jeopardizing their livelihood, their money, their right. check that comes in each week. So you can understand the reaction I understand it completely, like but it goes back to what you said. What's bigger if you – and I, I, I'm not – what, in Michael Bidwell's mind, what's bigger? Yeah, the, the, the enterprise the, the or DeAndre plays, Hopkins? The game play. Screw DeAndre Hopkins is basically what this is. is like, what the he's going to be yep. gone in three years or five, whatever. Right. You know, and obviously, you know, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about before in terms of that relationship between owners and players. But for me, in this case, that, that the, the owners and the NFLPA, this came out, this wasn't typically like if there's a rule change. Yep. The owners floated an idea. Yep. We'll get it in front of the NFLPA. We'll yeah. kick it back and forth and see if it works. Look at how long it took to add the additional game. This took a couple of years. Yeah. This came out literally overnight. And for those who don't, who maybe didn't see the tweet, DeAndre Hopkins, this is this tweet. Since you better been, caught it before he since deleted been it. Since it's been deleted, uh, said, never thought I would be, I would say this, but being put in a position to hurt my team because I don't want to partake in the vaccine is making me question my future in the NFL. He then deleted that, but he, but he stood by his statement, statement and some tweets after that. Uh, that was on Thursday. Yeah. But, you, I mean, you can understand. I mean, these guys are being put in a position, and you can understand both sides. The NFL is protecting their product on yep. Sunday, Monday, and Thursday. Yep. Uh, these guys are saying this is my personal decision, and you're putting me in an awkward spot with my peers and my, 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 uh, my economic future, you know, from, yeah. for me as a brand as well. So you get it. I get it from both sides. But this, I, is, this, is what is, this is what this all is. This is covering your ass if you are the NFL. If yeah. you're the owners and you're Roger Goodell, you're trying to cover your butt because now you start talking about the sponsors, the TV stations, the, the Foxes, oh, the, yeah. the NBCs, the CBSs, the ESPNs who house these games, who put these games on. They don't want to have to pay those guys out of their own pocket. Sure. So let's make the players be the ones that have to pay for it because we're the ones that we're, we're ready to go. We, we've even added an extra game. So we know we, we're ready to, to, to bring product. But if these guys don't do what we ask, because remember, Cole Beasley already complained about this months ago. Oh, They've had out. a protocol yeah. for this months ago. Yeah. Yeah. But when that didn't work and that didn't deter guys yeah. from getting or from not getting the shot, then they upped the ante and said, well, you're going to miss this. You're going to have to pay if something happens. And the other team is going to be uh, penalized. So now you're making the players have to infight because you know it's going to be a lot of tension in those locker rooms when you start talking about players that have been vaccinated and players that haven't been vaccinated. And that's just not fair because everybody should have the right to decide what they want. This and, was a global thing, not just the yeah. NFL. And your daily routine, if you're a non-vaccinated player this year, is going to make you feel so isolated from the, from the rest of the team anyway. I don't know if you guys saw it. It came out mid-June. We were so in Suns mode that not a lot of people saw it. But sure. uh, if, you're, if, you're, if you're not vaccinated, you're still doing the daily testing vaccinated players don't have to do that but where you really get the difference is if you're not vaccinated you still have to distance yourself in the uh, you can't eat in the same room so you got to distance yourself you have to do the grab and go lunches you can't be in a weight room with more than 15 people at a time 
Uh, you, ha- you, 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 you can't leave your team hotel when you travel. That's bullying. You can't leave. Yeah. So you're. That's bullying in every aspect of it. So you're taking. You're, 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 you have a completely different day to day than the players who are vaccinated if you aren't in the NFL this year. That's completely r- different. <laughs> like you are going to be like the outcast in the locker room. At the at, and I you know th- there is that unique nature to team sports right and I, I want to fully acknowledge that but I also think that you know this goes to a lack of a cohesive policy broadly with all this because if you recall again we were in Suns mode but the Arizona legislature kicked around to your point about covering your ass they passed a law like basically exempting businesses for COVID related lawsuits like you could be a business owner and. You could run the worst business in the world, and the, the legislature just gave you a pass because you could call it a COVID issue, yeah. right? So I think, yes, I mean, we talk about sports, and there is that unique nature about what we're talking about here. But, you know, it's real. Like, you know, it's, it, it, it's real. Like, and I, I don't know what we do and how we overcome from that. You know, you talk about the NFL, and you brought it up about the full stadiums. Alabama has the highest COVID infection rate in the entire country, and they're saying, no, we're playing in a full stadium. So does Alabama care about their players? Right? So I, I don't know. And, you know, we talked about Rick Dennison before we started recording. And a guy you know who you spent time with in Denver. Yeah, he was the old And, the old you know, they said you got to get a shot because you're not, you're not a player. You are a – I think they call it tier one employee. Yeah, tier one. Um, tier one. you got to get a shot. And he's like, no, I'm not going to get a shot. And so he's no longer the offensive line coach with the Vikings. Whether he was fired or he quit, it doesn't really matter. He's not coaching there this right. year. And on the one hand, I understand that. But that's no different than people in general. If, you're, if your workplace puts it down, I mean, there was, you know, there was in Houston, there was a hospital that said, you guys got to get vaccinated. And, and there was a percentage of their people that said, no, nah, we ain't getting vaccinated. And they said, well, you no longer work at whatever this hospital is in Houston. Yeah. You know, so this is, to me, this is like, this is, we, we talk about football and, you know, obviously we, we, we love our sports. And so I understand that, but this is something it's it's bigger bigger than it is bigger than sports this is this is this is human rights yeah this is a human rights issue on both on both sides on both sides but i mean if if it really is what we claim to be then you should have the right just because we disagree on fundamental things doesn't mean we can't do it together right and now you're making because this is a private entity you're saying no we're going to you're going to do it my way this is going to be a dictatorship and that's what this is becoming yep. because all this really is is the NFL trying to win the court of public opinion yeah they want to say hey we've done everything we can and we're going to make sure that we're doing what but it still didn't address what if it's a vaccinated player that is the guy that is the trace or the what contact it, trace or what if it's a fan in the stands I mean, I suppose that could happen. I mean, there, there's there's enough space. But in that in that one quote I gave you guys earlier, they they somewhat touch on if it's a vaccinated player. They said if it's vac- if a vaccinated player leads to an outbreak, they will try to minimize the the uh, the impact it has on them in terms of forfeit forfeiture and yeah. financially as much as they can. If it's a non-vaccinated player. The team we're that, throwing the book at. We're throwing the book at you. You're 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 you're, you're probably going to forfeit the game. Ridiculous. And if your team is under the 85 percent threshold that they're shooting for in terms of overall vaccinated players, 
then you're gonna you could be financially responsible as well. And the other side of the coin, where I will acknowledge my argument isn't ideal in terms of comparing the hospital employees in Houston versus NFL players, is I suppose if I'm a doctor or a nurse or whatever at a hospital in Houston, and my my employer says you gotta get a shot or you can't work here, I could go someplace else and do what I do at a place that doesn't require that if you can find it. In the NFL, if you're Cole Beasley, where are you going to go? Where are you going to go if you're Cole Beasley? You can't say, all right, NFL, I'm going to go over to other league that doesn't have that requirement. Mike, I want one of those franchise quarterbacks to not take that test. That's what I want. I want one of those guys. Just give me one. One of those top ten, top five, top ten guys that says, no, I'm not getting the, I, I'm not getting the vaccination. And then we'll see how strong the NFL is on this stance that they're taking because this is a stance this is a this is a a, a public display this is trying to win that court of public opinion and i think it absolutely sucks to put these guys in that position because if they want to do what's best for their body and their family they should have the right to do it and i'm just saying how it, it doesn't even make sense if you talk about a player that's not vaccinated that's the that that's the contact trace but then if it's a guy that is uh vaccinated that's that contact. Oh, well, that's different. Isn't the thing supposed to be we want everybody to be safe? I don't disagree. And big picture, take it way up to a, what do we call it, the 50, 60,000 foot view. What, else, what, what really sucks as part man. of this is three months ago or four months ago, we thought all this was in the rearview mirror. Yeah. And we had full, full arenas in the NBA finals. You look around places other than Arizona. You got full baseball stadiums, um, Mike. Think think about think about the Deer District. Sixty five thousand people. That's my point. You're telling me none of those guys. You you telling me there were tests being uh, put out there or given to see if they were COVID positive or negative? And you got sixty five thousand people losing their mind, hugging and kissing each other, all that kind of stuff in that big mosh pit of a of a sea of humanity. That's my point. That's what, like the, the, you you can't. You can, I, I don't know what you do. I don't know what you do. This was supposed to be This over, ain't it. This is supposed to be over four months ago. This ain't it. This was in the rearview mirror. This ain't it. Singling out guys for a life decision that they made was in the best interest of their family. This ain't it. This is wrong. Ugh. This is wrong, man. I thought, thought we could talk about football. That's bigger than football. See, that, and that's the thing. Like, <laughs> the people that are making these decisions in football think that they're that, that football is the end-all, be-all. But no, there's a, a life outside of football. And every decision that's made in, in these individuals' lives doesn't always have everything to do with football. Right. Well, and that, but that goes back to what I said before. Like, what, what are the, the owners, and you've told me this, before even we talked about this particular issue that mm-hmm. we're, we're dealing with yeah, right now. Yeah. Like, take it, because people get emotional about this, and I understand that, but take this out of it and fill in the blank with any other issue. And if it came down to, and again, I hate to make this about Michael Bidwell because it's really not, but let's just use it to make the point. If it came down to Michael Bidwell protecting his enterprise or pissing off or putting up one player, even if it's a star marquee player in a bad spot, what's he going to do? And that's not a, any owner in the NFL. He's going to sacrifice gonna the player. He's always going to sacrifice. Gonna sacrifice the player. Yes. And if it happens to be a percentage of the player, so be it. That's what this is in this case. You know what I mean? This is, this is what it is. I, just, I want one of those quarterbacks. I just, just give me one. Give me one that doesn't want to take the, the vaccination. And I want to see how they respond to that. 
because everything is supposed to be it's the most it's the most important position on the on the on the field. So now I want to see what happens when that guy says no, I'm not getting the vaccination. Now what are you going to do? You're going to leave him out of the lunch room. You're going to leave him out of meeting rooms. You're going to leave him out of the quarterback room Can't and, and have the conversations with the co- the head coach and the offensive coordinator. You really going to do that with the guy that's supposed to be the signal caller and the most the highly paid player on your team? You really going to take that stance? I don't think so. Tell us about Rick Dennison. You spent time with him in Denver, and he was part of those really good offensive lines yeah. that they had up there. And he yeah. was really counted on, or yes. going to be counted on, for what they were trying to build in Minnesota. And he walked away from it today or was pushed away, whichever side of the story you choose to believe. It yeah. doesn't matter. Either way, he's not part of the Vikings anymore. But yeah. tell us what you remember about him and what the, what the impact that he had on those Broncos teams that you were part of. Very cool, calm, and, and collected man. Uh, he, he was a man of very few words. At the time, he was an assistant all-line coach because Alex Gibbs, Gibbs was the, the, head, the, 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 the main offensive line coach. But uh, he, he, he was a guy that, that used to play. So, you know, he always came from a player's perspective. He had a lot of respect in the locker room, had a lot of respect from the offensive lineman. And, and remember, he went to the Minnesota Vikings with Gary Kubiak, right. a guy that, you know, who was my offensive coordinator when I was in Denver. So there's always been that relationship with him and, and, and Kubes. And so uh, for him to take this stance now, I mean, he's had a, a pretty long career. He's had a good career. He's won championships in the NFL. But for him to take this stance, I think at, at this stage in his career, I say good for him. I say, you know, hey, don't be bullied. If you, if you look in the bank account and you're, you're okay financially and, and you're okay with the idea of not having football in your life anymore, if that's where you feel your, your, your life is right now, then, hey, go live your life. Yeah. And I think he made a, a, a decision that was bigger than football that was based on him and his family. Hey, you know what? I feel good where I am financially. I feel good where I'm at from a, a, a professional standpoint. I've proven my point in the NFL. If I don't want to take this damn shot, I'm not going to take it. So nobody's going to make me do it. And that's the way it is. Yeah, you can have it back. If you want to have all these stipulations and all these rules that don't make any sense, then yeah, you can go ahead and have it back. And uh, again, huge. You you read the story. This is huge for the Vikings because they had uh, some transition. Gary Kubiak retires. His son steps up to, to fill that void. And having Rick Dennison there was supposed to kind of help bridge the gap. So, Mike, this hurts them on a professional level because remember now, we still don't know what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. That's, that's where I'm going with that. So the Minnesota Vikings had a chance to really, you know, get a stranglehold on this division. Well, you, and you look at the Vikings, like look at what Dalvin Cook did last year with, you know. Right and they're Justin Jefferson, their right, wide receiver. Exactly. I mean, this, this was kind of one. Right, so, you know. Cut off your nose and spite your face. That's, that's the way I see it. Let's see. All right, we'll step aside here. I don't even know what we're doing. I got my notes here. We'll figure it out. We'll do something on the other side. <laughs> and still to come later in the podcast, dad jokes and pump the brakes. So that's coming up on Train and Gross. Train and Gross. Welcome back, Train and Gross. Speaking of uh, news we didn't expect, All right. um, Friday, Texas, Oklahoma said, Hey, we might be going to the SEC, guys. Hey. Deuces. Um, and, of course, that set off shockwaves around college football because it really is whatever else it is. This is the college football news. I understand Texas and Oklahoma will pick up and move the entire programs in, but this is a decision driven by football and a lot going into it. And, and you know, like a lot of the other conversations we have, it really is dictated by money. You know, you look at it, Texas – and Oklahoma would each owe the Big 12 upwards of $76 million if they were to leave 
on the timeline that they announced. Uh, but if a new agreement is reached with the SEC, that would make that price tag easily affordable because it, it does show it does show the gap between the SEC and some of the other conferences, but particularly the Big 12, which is where they're leaving. And I've got so many questions because on the one hand, a couple years ago when this was all happening, maybe a decade ago now when the last major changes happened, there was thought that we'd see even more consolidation. If you recall, there was conversation that perhaps Oklahoma and Texas would come here to the Pac-12. That didn't happen, and there was a lot of reasons why it didn't happen at the time, but it didn't happen. Things seemed to have settled down a little yeah. bit, and you yeah. thought with the expansion of the college football playoffs, where they had every conference represented, and, and, and their fe- but money talks. And, you know, you look at high-profile names. I mean, we can talk about the quality of football being played by the Texas Longhorns, which yep. you've done regularly. Yep. Um, you know, it's not been up to historical standards, but it's the name that they're yep. taking, not the wins or losses on the And the Longhorn field. Network. Uh, the, exactly. Mike, this is Big Bank Take Little Bank. Uh, you know, in the words of, of, of the immortal rapper Ice Cube, Big Bank Take Little Bank. When you've got all the money and you've got all the attention, you want to make sure that you are well represented when you go into the college football playoffs. Because if they do, because there were two stories. That One was they were going to pretty much, you know, uh, you know, let it go through as far as the 12 team playoff. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, they were just going to, you know, rubber stamp that. They were just going to let that go through. They're not, they're, there wasn't a lot of opposition to that. Right. But I think if you are in Alabama, if you're a Clemson and if you're Oklahoma, you're like, wait a minute, this, this is, this is going to affect my long term here because now you're bringing other teams into the mix as far as recruiting. And the thing that they really were able to do, they were able to recruit because they're like, look, if you're going to want to play in the playoffs, you need to come here. We're the ones that are content routinely in the playoffs. If you're Alabama, if you're Clemson and you're Oklahoma, that was basically three of the four. And then you always found somebody else that, that you know, whether it was my alma mater, Notre Dame, or, or a, the, another team in the SEC, or, a, you know, maybe a, a Big Ten champion every now and again, Ohio State. Yeah, you know, Ohio State. Ohio State. <laughs> so, you know, those teams pretty much racked up on the recruiting because they were the ones that were going to be representing in the playoffs. So now that you have 12, everybody's like, whoa, well, I, how is this going to affect me? So now you got this power play by the SEC. And don't tell me that it was Texas and Oklahoma going to them. I believe that the SEC went to them and like, hey, you guys want to play with the big boys. You want to really get that money. Let's go ahead and make this thing officially three conference teams or three conferences that are going to be basically the major players as far as the the football playoffs is concerned Mm -hmm. because you could talk about the Pac-12 all you want they're going to go bye-bye if this goes through and then you talk about the Big Ten Ohio State they're going to be knocking on the door of the SEC as well like hey you guys got room for another one you know because when you talk about Ohio State Strength of schedule sometimes comes into play when they start beating up on Northwestern and Iowa and, and all these other schools that don't really – Maryland that right. don't really matter. Those, those wins actually go against them when you start talking about yeah. uh, the credibility as far as, as, as ranking and, and strength of schedule and all that kind of stuff. So I think that we're not even close to seeing the end of this. I just think these are just two more big pieces that are really doing what – inevitably is going to be done across the board. It's going to be three major conferences. It's not going to be five. And all, between those three conferences, if you're not a part of those, you're going to be left out of the playoff picture. And I, I saw it earlier today, and I, for the life of me, can't find it. There was a graphic that uh, somebody put out there. I thought it would have been Barstool because it was right up their alley, but it wasn't. 
um, uh, of where where everybody's going to land when this all shakes sure. out. Sure. Right. And you know, and you look at the numbers and and, and I forget how many it is, but the one A. Sure. Basically, sure. Uh, football program. So you got the, you know, basically what you do is you blow out like the Mountain West and somebody else, and then you disperse. But to your point about the leftovers, like you know, in this graphic that I saw, and again, it was just somebody's opinion, and it's not happening. Um, you know, the the, the Pac-12 got Texas Tech, they got BYU, they got oh great, yeah, right. That helps your conference um, ratings. Yeah, and the, the the other question I have is going back to 2011, when the last time that we thought, and you you're close to this, there, there was a real thought that Texas and Oklahoma were coming back in 2011, and for whatever reason it didn't work out, and part of the reason was the Oklahoma legislature said to the Oklahoma schools. You can do whatever you want. Bring little brother with you. But you do it together. Bring little it's brother. It's like when mom told you you had to take your brother little with brother. you wherever you went. Right? So I was that little brother, Mike. It worked <laughs> Me out. Me too. Yeah, so <laughs> you guys know. And that was, I was the big brother, so I'd take your brother with you. <laughs> yeah. Right? So Oklahoma, you want to go to the SEC? That's cool. Take, take Oklahoma, take stay, Oklahoma with stay with you. Take Oklahoma, stay with you. There you go. And if, if the SEC is interested in Oklahoma, are they interested in Oklahoma and Oklahoma State? No, they're not. And so, you know, will the Oklahoma legislature 10 years after the fact intervene uh, on that is, an, is another question, or will they allow them to split up? Um, but it's so, so many questions uh, about that. And I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. The SEC office, front office hierarchy might think it's a good idea. Mm-hmm. There's still a little bit of bad blood by the, for Texas A&M. And, oh, they are pissed. They and, are salty about this. And they're not happy with Missouri. Like, the Missouri to the SEC to this. Like, if they could spin Missouri out as part of this, yes. I think they would. Yeah. I mean, what, what has Missouri won since they've joined the SEC? Well, and that goes to how these marriages have to work for everybody, right? And, and I think, you know, when it comes to a vote, because uh, I guess the, the, the SEC is like everything else, the presidents will get around a table mm-hmm. and they'll say, we have a motion in front of us. Yeah. We're going to bring Oklahoma and Texas in. All in favor, say aye. And, you know, do you get 100% buy-in? Who, who's going to say no to those brands, Mike? If you can have those brands in your conference, doesn't that boost your conference? Doesn't that make your conference look that much more attractive? Doesn't that bring more kids to want to be in that conference because they're playing all the brand names that they've seen on college football since they can ever remember? And, and Texas and Oklahoma, more Oklahoma than Texas, but I, I think that they're a, a, a brand that people are, are associating with, 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 with success. You think about the, the last two out of three Heisman Trophy winners. They back-to-back, and then you had uh, the, the one that, that finished number two. You know what I mean? Right. You had Jalen Hurts finish two in the Heisman. So they, they almost had three straight Heisman winners from, from one school, from Oklahoma. So, yes, they're going to bring a certain cachet to the SEC because they're just that big. They're, they're just that big of a program, and, and Boomer Sooner is going to be all through the SEC. And then UT, when you talk about the Longhorn Network, now you're talking about money – going into more money and now you combine the sec with the longhorn network i mean my goodness it's just they're going to be printing money mike it's it's, it really comes down to a financial decision and it really is inevitable when you really think about what what's really at play here so i'm reading a quote from brett mcmurphy who's covered college football for decades uh and uh, his comment here uh from earlier today Texas and Oklahoma officials reach out to the SEC in late December, mm. closest source to the, uh, to the network told us, UT and OU mm-hmm. are in lockstep. Whatever one does, the other's doing. They decided they were leaving, 
and now it was just a question of where, and apparently they also talked to the ACC about this as well, if you believe this reporting. So a couple things there. Uh, this was them apparently deciding that they've had it <laughs> with the Big 12, basically. And apparently my question that I raised that was lingering from a decade ago, that Oklahoma must have it on good authority that they're going to be able to separate from Oklahoma State as part of this. Otherwise, I think that uh, they wouldn't put them in a position to put it publicly if they knew they were going to get blowback like they got a decade ago. Mike, this really goes to show, too, what they thought of their interstate rivalries. A&M felt they had to leave the conference in order to find themselves and, and find a niche for themselves. Now you're going to be brought back. And of course, everybody's going to want them to renew that rivalry with Texas A&M. And Texas A&M is like, no, we don't want them no more. We, we, we left them a long time ago. We, we, we moved on. That ship has sailed. That, 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 there's water under that bridge now. We, we, we don't want anything to do with the University of Texas. We're here in the SEC. We're good. And now they're going to come to the SEC. So... <laughs> I know those, those alumni at A&M are, are spitting mad right now. They are beyond pissed because they, they thought they had a great thing going being in the SEC. Yeah, UT, y'all can do your thing over in the Big 12, but we'll handle this SEC yeah. situation. And now that they've come to play with the big boys, they're going to go back into the pecking order as underneath the University of Texas. Hey, well, right. And I seem to, to recall that, you know, there was some questions posed to the, the uh, Texas athletic director about, well, what are you going to do about the rivalry with Texas A&M? Just because they left doesn't mean you shouldn't be playing them. And there was a comment to something to the effect of, oh, don't worry, we're working on it. I don't mm. think anybody knew <laughs> this is what they were working no, on because no. you know they're going to get lumped in in the same division together. So but of course. They'll be, they'll be, uh, they'll be hooked up uh, you know, at the hip again. They'll be back playing on Thanksgiving Spe again. Speaking of little brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> speaking of little – I mean, and you've told us that story yeah. about the, the love lost uh, between uh, those two institutions. Oh, my and, gosh. And that's, how far is Austin from College Station? I don't even know the geography of Texas. So Austin is about two and a half hours away from, from, from College Station because my mom grew up in Navasota, which is about 20 miles from College Station, and, and I know from Houston, it's a two and some change drive because I've driven that many a times. Yeah. I actually, last time I went was a couple years ago to my, my uh, niece's graduation. She mm -hmm. graduated from UT, but so you basically talk about two and a half, two and a half hour drive, but you're talking about kids all over the state that go to high school together and, and they choose either one or the other. And of course, yeah. there, there are tons of other schools in Texas, but when you start thinking about the big name schools in Texas, it's University of Texas and then there's Texas A&M. Well, and you made a good point before we started re recording this. What about Baylor? What's going on in Waco right now? <laughs> hey, they still have, they haven't even gotten their championship rings yet. This, this is, a, this is a, 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 a school that's had some champions here recently, some yeah. national champions. And they're like, wait a minute, we're chopped liver here? Like, wait a minute, I thought last we checked, we won the whole tournament in the NCAA. Right. Why are we not being considered one of the top teams that are going along to the, to the SEC? So, you know, they're all in the same state. So from a geographical standpoint, it's not that much more of an inconvenience to bring one with the other because you still got to fly to Texas if you're going to play these teams. It's interesting. To, to, it will be interesting to see how would you like to be the Big 12 Conference Commission this morning. No, you, you feel you like – You wake up this morning, you're like, damn, to your point. Man, look at Baylor. Look at, you know, and – Getting ready to start the football, having media days, because I think that's happening right now around college football. Emperor has no clothes, man. Right? <laughs> oh, by the way, <laughs> guess what? Yeah. How awkward would that be if you had <laughs> UT and OU play in the Big 12 championship this year, though? All right. See you later. 
Sayonara, suckers. We're going to take this with you. Yeah, we're, we're going to take this with us. We'll take the trophy with us on the way out. <laughs> From a Big 12 statement earlier today, Oklahoma and Texas are founding members of the Big 12, and we value their traditions and history of success. I and we value their money, most importantly, because that's what we're all about. The eight members strongly desire to retain the current competi- composition, which has proven it can, be, can compete at the highest level. Wait, wait, hold on, Mike. Stop there. I didn't mean to disrupt you. But say, say that again. So it's the Big 12, but how many members? Eight. <laughs> <laughs> It's back to when Dan Minucci played in the Big Eight. <laughs> boy, Butch. Wow. Keep going. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to disrupt you, brother. <laughs> there is a recognition that institutions may act in their own self-interest. I believe that's another oh, really? way for selfish. <laughs> However, there's an expectation uh-huh. that members adhere to conference bylaws and enforce the enforcement of the grant of rights agreements. Oh, yeah, okay. This is a time for dramatic change within intercollegiate athletics that presents both opportunities and challenges, and the Big 12 looks forward to continuing to play a major role in that evolution. The most valuable player, ladies and gentlemen, today from the Big 12 is the dude that wrote that press release trying to put a positive spin on a brutal day in the news for them. And Mike, think about this. When you talk about Texas and Texas A&M, this goes way beyond just them being in the same conference because you know there are two other schools that that occupy the same state iowa and iowa state they're in different they're in different conferences but they still find a way to play each other each and every year and it's Mm -hmm. still a big deal it's still an interstate rivalry that that those players grow up wanting to be a part of those those kids that grow up in iowa they either choose university of iowa or iowa state absolutely and that game means a lot to them in that state of iowa so the fact that Texas and A&M keep playing it like it's not a big – you're kidding yourself. And you could figure it out if you wanted to. If you really wanted to, you could. And that, I think that's a great point. Iowa and Iowa State never miss a beat, ever. Ever. Some, some years it's a great game, other years not so much, but it always gets played. It's always, and it always means something in the state of Iowa. Keeping it close to home uh, in the uh, Houston Chronicle today, the uh, new commissioner of the Pac-12 gave an interview and said that they would be open for business if, if – the right opportunity surfaces. And I would imagine the reaction, if you're not the Big 12 or the SEC, if you're the new commissioner of the Pac-12, he'd be like, wait, I'm still unpacking boxes here. Like, I need a little bit of breathing room. But what he went on to say is, I consider the Pac-12 an exclusive club Mm. with a high barrier to entry. Uh, This was, again, in the Houston Chronicle. I love the schools and the teams we have today. Mm. We are not actively seeking to look at the word choice here. We are not actively actively seeking to poach Mm. any teams from any conference, but we'd be foolish not to listen if the schools (laughs) call us. Again, that's uh, new Pac-12 Commissioner George Kilikoff in an interview today with the Houston Chronicle. Back channels. Back channels, back channels, and let's 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 talk about the big tw- or let's talk about the Pac-12, and let's ask Colorado how that's worked out for them since they've become a member because they're one of the newest members of the Big 12. How has that worked out for them joining that conference? Has that has that elevated their status? Has that elevated their brand at all by being part of the Pac-12? Because they're not considered one of the big teams in at the Pac-12. All. Not even close. And, and and the only thing, and I, I think I'm fair in saying this. The only thing that Colorado has brought to the Pac-12 is the Denver TV market. Is that a great market? Well, I mean... In the big scheme of things. I mean, I know those are great fans, but I mean in the big scheme of things. It's better than anything else they've done, to your point. It's not because they're bringing the high-profile football program that's playing at the highest level. Their basketball team's been uh, okay, but not great. They don't even play... There was some thought that... that, uh, that, 
Larry Scott was going to put pressure on them to bring baseball back because what's the, the baseball is a very high profile sport yes, in the is. Pac-12. Yes, yeah. it is. And they're the only member of the Pac-12 that doesn't. Utah plays baseball. Utah's wow. done well, I think, for the conference in the last five years. Wouldn't you say? I mean, they've been they made a playoff appearance and and. But I, where did Colorado you, come from, though? What were they purged from? Right. The I'm Big Twelve. I'm with you. And the teams from the Big 12 don't necessarily translate well to the West Coast. Yeah. That's all I was saying. No, I, I think you're entirely right. You know, so you look at it, if you're the Pac-12, on the one hand, it's an exclusive club, if you believe the commissioner. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, let's, let's, let's assume that this Oklahoma-Texas thing is a done deal. And this isn't a negotiation like, hey, we want to go to the highest bidder. It sure wink, sounds like it. Wink, wink, nod, nod to the Pac-12. I mean, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt because, again, this story broke quick, but let's just say it's done. Yep. Mm. What's left? Assuming, to your point earlier, assuming Ohio State isn't on the move, or, like, what, are you we happy? We just hadn't heard about it. Well, no, but my point is, are you happy with, damn, they got, they got Oklahoma and they got Texas. Man, I'm going to jump in and I'm going I'm to grab up some Baylor. I'm going to grab up some Texas Tech. Give me, give me a side of BYU while I'm at oh. it. We're going to – like, what, what are you going to do oh. here? Like, yeah. you know, it's – SEC's the 800-pound gorilla doing whatever they want to do. I mean, and you think about tw- – Mike, think about this. If, if, if this goes down and Texas and Oklahoma go to the, the SEC and then you still have the 12-team playoff, there's no way you can't tell me half of those slots won't go to SEC. You can't tell me that. It's gonna. You can't tell me. No, it's gonna. They're gonna, and they're gonna bring all of that money in. So it's just, it, it's, <laughs> it, it just keeps the process going. They're gonna, they're gonna get all the playoff money. They're gonna get all the money from the TVs and all that kind of stuff. So it's just gonna be the SEC, the, the rich getting richer. Mm-hmm. Big bank take a little bank. Uh, to your point, what did Colorado bring? Or no, I guess you asked the question. I told you the Denver TV market. Yeah. Denver metropolitan area last year was the 17th biggest TV market in the United States. Wow. And that's still the best thing that Colorado's brought to the table for the Pac-12. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Because to Sean's point, I think you could make a, a, an argument that Utah basketball and Utah football have accorded themselves well. I'm not, look, relative to the rest of this conversation. Like, if you, if you were to fast forward, what year did they come into the conference? Was that, was that 2011 as well? Uh, roughly. Yeah, yeah. So, so let's do a 10-year checkup on sure. this. And How many s- conference titles for Utah football? Th- my point. Like, How many conference titles for Utah basketball? If you're grading the two of them, you'd keep Utah over Colorado purely from a competitive standpoint. And they haven't done anything. They haven't really gotten right. to the mountaintop of the conference. Right. So, you know, Co- Colorado was supposed to be the gem here, to, you know. Because they were coming out of the big... Big 12. 12, 8, whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. Whatever it is. <laughs> the I, think it's man, big big 12. Twi- I think it's the Big 12 with the Roman numeral 8. Or and then you a, got the 16-team the Big 10. <laughs> and Salt Lake City is the 30th biggest TV market. So, uh, you know, it's to your point about the translation of... You got the West Coast versus the Rocky Mountain West, right? Yeah. And, you know, these cities. So, it's tough because, you know, you, you've got these things. And I go back to the SEC. Like, if they had a do-over on Missouri, they'd take it. Yeah. They'd never admit it, but they'd take it. You should have a 10-year referendum on each team that joins the like conference. In, like in soccer over in Europe. Yeah. If, we'll if give you, you 10 years to fit in. If you don't, we can kick you out. If you haven't won the conference in 10 years, you got to go. You hadn't brought anything. You hadn't brought anything to the table. Missouri, you're out. Missouri and m you're out. Yeah. I don't care. I mean, yeah, you had the Johnny Manziel experiment, but that didn't bring you an SEC championship. How would that feel in College Station? You know what? We're going to make a change here in the conference, and Oklahoma, Texas, you're in, A and Missouri. See ya. Holla. 
How'd you like to be the football coach at Vanderbilt right now? Oh. Oh, but they're but they're but they're grandfathered in though. They're, they're not going va- anywhere. <laughs> no, but, hey, big news in the conference today. Yeah, what's going on? Texas, Oklahoma coming in. I mean, hello Tennessee. You know, there, there's a lot of teams that would be nervous if you had a ten-year referendum on on being in the conference. You, you got to do something to, to they talk to about keep that membership. Yeah, they talk about that all the time in professional sports. You should have the, what's it called? Where they have the, in, in soccer relegation. Thank you, relegation. I was I knew it ended in a shun. <laughs> But have you had relegation in college athletics? What's wrong with that? SEC's at the top, and I don't care, just for the sake of discussion. You pre- if, if all this money's involved and you're supposed to be doing all this stuff and it's supposed to make sense, then, then there should be some sort of, of, of tangible evidence that it, it worked. Yeah. Ten and, years. And you got ten years. You, your football program can drive it, and the rest of your athletic department benefits from it. I mean, Mike, think about it. Ten years, that's at least how many, that's what, uh, uh, six draft classes? Yeah. Or, or six, you know, um, you know, recruiting classes. Recruiting classes. There yeah. you go. Not draft class. Recruiting classes. That's at least six recruiting classes. If you can't get it done in six recruiting classes, you got to find something else to do. Because at that point, you're just a hanger on. You're just, you're just here to collect the check at the end of the year from the guys that are putting in all the work. You know, you're, yeah. you're waiting on Alabama to like, hey, come on, Alabama. We, we, we've been waiting on that, that check, man. Come on with it. And, that, and that's so funny, too. And I'm glad you said that because I always laugh at schools like, you know, I understand the rivalries, but like Michigan fan. You know, pointing their fingers at Ohio State, blah, blah, blah. But, but when they bring that money back, oh, they're so. You happy. bring that money back, and that's another. That's Shut another up. school that's going to be without a, a without a conference because nobody wants Mich- as big as the brand is. And no offense, Mike. Michigan hadn't really done anything of notice in the last ten years. Not, not at all. No, and and if you read, what do I, don't tell who, my boss. who wants Michigan right now? Does the Big Twelve want Michigan? Does the SEC want Michigan? Look, I've I've made this argument all along. Pac twelve. When, when you look at I'd take them. <laughs> why? But, but why? Because it is because the brand you just talked about. It, but they don't give you anything. They don't bring any sizzle to your conference. It's, it's the big but, house. But it, it's the every, I don't know. It's just, you no, know, no, people talk about it. No, those days are gone. That, that, that whole day of tradition and, and, and that's you've it. got all of this. It's done. We're that's Michi- it. Michigan, man. That's what, thank you. That's where you're right. And this is where the difference is, right? Because from a competitive standpoint, you're absolutely right. And I've said this about other schools. So if I'm being honest about it, I got to say it about Michigan. Bo Schembechler ain't coming back. 1970 is gone. Gone. Because I do that to Nebraska fan all the time. Yeah. Oh, we should be this. Oh, we should be that. We're Nebraska. We're the black shirts. No. No, you ain't. No. You know, no. no. And you, you, you've talked about Texas. Yeah. I've talked about my alma mater. Daryl. Daryl. Daryl Royal. Daryl Royal ain't, ain't coming, coming back. back. Earl Campbell ain't going, walking through that door. Right. Vince and Young so, ain't walking through that you know, door. See, I guess he may, is, but not quite. Maybe Notre Dame's figured it out because they were, right? Maybe they have well, – the, the jury's out. They're not being relegated. No. The, but the jury's out. Texas hasn't figured it out. Nebraska hasn't figured it out. Michigan hasn't figured it out. You know, you can go – whatever you say about Michigan, you could probably say about Nebraska, right? Oh, Brand, absolutely. No question. Know, and, no question. And, and in their own way, Nebraska's actually yes. bigger than, than Michigan. Yes. But yes. They've won more titles. And the other thing, too, and we're not going to devolve into a, a Michigan, although we could. No, uh, let's not do that. They're – there is a real feeling like Jim Harbaugh has, was taken behind the woodshed by the athletic director because somebody played back his previous year's uh, comments and conversation mm-hmm. at the Big Ten Media Day, mm-hmm. speaking of Big Ten, Big 12, whatever, mm. and compared it to how he was this year. Yeah. This was a very withdrawn, a very, uh, uh, what was the word they used? Like, 
the 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 verboseness oh, verbosity wow. thank you was gone verbosity, wow. like he this is gone this that's is a quality not, word right thank there, you very much this is, is very that's good. why i struggled to get it <laughs> this is not the jim harbaugh we saw this is not the Jim Harbaugh that's like up here like so he's you a think, realist. You think this tail between legs, Jim Harbaugh? I, oh, absolutely. I did is. not see How it. could it not be? At this point. How could it not be? If you're Jim Harbaugh, how do you go up there and, and do anything other than that the way it's gone the last couple of years? And you can say what you will about Michigan, Ohio State. Like, he can't get it done against Michigan State. Yes and no. I mean, the man. He can't get it done in bowl games. Eh, I mean, the man does have three. Ten win seasons, one nine win season, and eight and five. But Last conference year, titles, and that's what it boils conference down to: conference titles and yeah. beating your alma well, or beating and, your rival and winning a damn bowl game. I, it, yes, yes, and yes. Yeah. And I would argue that in some respects, beating Ohio State is more. It's bigger than, than the con- Big Ten Way conference. Yep. If and they then beat when Ohio you, State, yeah. When you yeah. couple losing to Michigan State on top of it, because uh. that was never an issue. It was always uh. it was always Ohio Bo State. and Woody. It was yeah. Columbus Ann Arbor. Yeah. It was Michigan Ohio State. Yeah. Michigan State was in the rearview mirror. Yeah. Nobody worried about Michigan State. At all. And now all of a sudden you get Jim Harbaugh back. You mm. got a Michigan man back, mm. to your point. Mm. And you can't even beat Michigan State? I don't know. See, ASU On top of Ohio State? You can't beat Michigan State. No. ASU had no problem with Sparty. Just wow. I, right? was, I was there. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, he ain't lying. <laughs> I like it. I like it. But, I mean, you know, okay, so the, the whole – we love Jim Harbaugh. He's a kooky individual. He's different. Huh, he takes his teams on trips to these foreign countries and all that kind of stuff. Cleats on the sideline. Cleats on the sidelines. The, the same khaki Peggy. pants. All that's gone. Wearing the glove, throwing all, the ball around. All that's gone. I, don't nobody want to hear that no more. The Michigan, Michigan people don't want to hear that no more. They're like, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's kind of like that, 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 that 30-year marriage. Like, you know, that stuff that I used to find so cute, it ain't cute no more. You surprised, you surprised he's still there? No, I'm not surprised he's still there, but the leash is They can't short. afford to get rid of him. Yeah, it's a problem. Yeah. He costs too much, which you gave him the yeah. cost in the first place. Like, yeah. You know. Okay. Anyway. You know, so it, it'll be interesting to see. You know, they've got you know, a, a, the athletic director in place that's supposed to rein him in, and they made some changes on the coaching staff. We'll see, but uh, I, don't, I don't disagree with you. Like Michigan would, you know, again, good word, the word of the day. What's that word? Verbosity. Verbosity. No, I like relegation because relegation. it's more appropriate. Yeah. I like it, too. Wow, we sound educated this segment, The word of the day is relegation. Words. (laughs) Verbosity gets an honorable mention. We got to get at a golf clap for that one. Verbosity, yes. Thank you very much. And, oh, by the way, why did you you look twice when I said 30 years and the things that used to impress you don't impress you It's my anniversary this week. 30? What? 30 years? 30 years. 33. So if I ask Karen... Yeah, what, what, what's that thing that Mike does at night that, you know, that used to be, you, you thought it was cute, but not quite so cute? <laughs> Would she have a few things? She, <laughs> where do we begin? <laughs> well, B-Train, as a matter of fact, to get the notebook out. Come on, man. Look at, look at, look at this. <laughs> what's not to love? What's not to love? A drink Hold it in. up. Drink it in. Way. Yeah, happy anniversary to my, my love. Yeah, we got married in Phoenix, Arizona on, on a July 29th. It was 117 wow. degrees. Smart move. We got wow. married at, a, at the Catholic Church up on Greenway. Wow. And the priest, nice guy, got to turn the AC off. No. Yeah, it was hot. It was hot. <laughs> 30 years ago. July, July 29th. Man. Did you have one? Did you have on a three-piece? Oh, I had the I had the late 1980s, oh. early 1990s oh, look. That's awesome. The ruffles? No ruffles. Was it tan? No, <laughs> no ruffles. Tan and taupe for color. It was black and white. Thank you very much. I, I, 
<laughs> Man, when you think about that stuff, the ruffles and uh, the off the ugly the, the black like the bow tie. The, no, you do no, a tie or bow tie? No, no bow tie. <laughs> no, I like the. Re- I, I must say, I'm a, I was a little bit lucky in in terms of the fashion choices that day, and I'll defer to my 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 wife on that one because yeah. I, I tell people too, like you know, you need to be involved, but you don't need to make decisions. Yeah. Like when when a decision's made, like mm-hmm. yep, I'm all in. Yep, black oh, yeah. thumbs up. Black with red come. I love it. Yep, like, let's do it. Flowers, uh, <laughs> sure. Roses, roses, do it. Let's great do call. It. Looks great. Awesome. I, I love me a cow lily. Yeah, like whatever. Right? You know what I mean? So, <laughs> just no sunflowers. Huh? Thirty-three years of wedded bliss. You put up with that long. Yeah. All right. Speaking of that, what? Something <laughs> up after the break. <laughs> Pump the brakes and dad jokes. Oh yeah. On trading gross. Let's do it. Welcome back in final segment, Train and Gross. Glad you found us, hanging out with us on Apple or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to all our subscribers. Yeah, good looking out. Appreciate you. Always. Hit us up on Twitter at Train and Gross. All right, you know what time it is. Yes, sir. You know, we get (laughs) people listen to the podcast. People want to be part of the People send me dad jokes. Speaking of my wife, married 33 years, she drops a dad joke on me the other night. Wow. I'm like, you want to be part? You want in on this? Come on. Well, give us, Everybody gets in on Give the us dad a warm jokes. up for dad jokes. No, I'm not. I'm not. You, you Come on. on no, I told yes. her. I said, you can call in. I said, Sean is very talented. Don't put that pressure on Karen. Come on now. Don't do that. You want me to do her dad joke? Do her what dad joke, man. Oh, what do you got? All right. Same rules, though. Same rules apply. Oh, she gets the same rules? You're going to get this. But you might, you know, you don't come with it. Come with it, or I'm coming. All right, here we go. <laughs> what do you got? Do I? Do I? No, I've just. Go ahead. What do you got? Thirty-three years I've learned. <laughs> I just I will not qualify this. I'll just say it. Uh, All right, I do algebra, tackle geometry, mm. and even a little calculus. Wow. But graphing is where I draw the line. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. That's, that's pretty good. That's yeah. pretty good. Shout out to Karen. That's credit to my wife. Yeah. That's we love good. you, Karen. Great job. That's pretty good. That's not bad. All right. So here we go. Uh, pump the brakes. I'm going to give you guys statements around the world of sports. Maybe a little pop culture mixed in there as well. You tell me if you're pumping the brakes on that particular statement or if mm, you're riding with it. Let's do it. So let's go to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, what a difference a week makes. We were sitting mm. here one week ago today. As riding a high. Fact, riding it high. Was still a, it was still a tied yeah. up series. Yeah. And, uh, and no way Suns are losing two Not a chance. Uh, how quickly that changed. Uh, so here you go. Pump the brakes or not. The Suns blew the best chance they'll ever see to win a title considering injuries health and the fact that they were up 2-0 they blew the best chance they'll ever see to win a title oh yeah you got there's no popping the brakes on that that's absolutely true i mean it was gift wrapped Mm. for them i I know that injuries always play a factor Mm -hmm. in playoff runs and and championship runs but this one was you had nine all-stars at one point in the playoffs that didn't play due to injury yep that was the most by far in, in recent history. So you think about the Western Conference and how many guys that were out and, and the, the Suns were fortunate enough to play those teams while those guys were out. Every series, you think about the Lakers. Yeah. No Anthony Davis, and yeah. you get a half of LeBron. You talk about Denver, they got no Jamal Murray. No Murray. You look at the Clippers, they got no Kawhi Leonard. I mean, heck, the, the Milwaukee Bucks didn't even have their guy, DiVincenzo, yep. who was the starting two guard. Yep. So... It was it was aligned for them to make it happen, and unfortunately, the Bucks were still a little bit better than the Phoenix. And you look at how this this happens in the NBA, like the Bucks, 
50 years since they won one. So you talk about taking that opportunity. And I said this a moment ago. You know, not making excuses for it, but when the opportunity is presented to you, what do you do with it? You know, and, and will that path be as easy as it was in the future? There's no guarantee of that. Will you, the way this team is constituted, when you look at chemistry and, and everything they had working in their favor, there's no guarantee of that. So I'm with you. You don't pump the brakes on that. No. Right. And the other teams. And then, the and other then teams. you were up 2-0 on top of all That's, of that. Yep. You were up 2-0 on top of that. You yeah. said to me. Can they, they can't Do you see the Bucks winning four out of the next five? Not a chance. No. I said, no way. Plan the parade. Plan the parade. Yeah. And then we put out on Twitter, will you go to the parade? <laughs> and it was, will you go to the parade when, when? the Phoenix Suns yeah. win? Yeah. Not if. Yeah. I, I that, that did not age well. I don't think the Suns and, won a game after we put that. No, it did it's not. all us, man. <laughs> they, did, they did not age well. That, that tweet did not age well. No. no. Yeah, I mean, I'll look back at this as a longtime Suns fan. There's, there's one season that will always stick out to me as the what if. It's 1994. You're up 2-0 on the Rockets. You're Rockets. My Rockets. Damn your 94 Rockets. Yeah. Damn you. Uh, Never M- underestimate the heart of a champion. MJ's out of the way, right? The team that just beat you the year before. MJ's trying to play baseball. Yeah, well, that was 95. They would kiss of death. <laughs> same damn team, you. though. Same <laughs> damn thing. Rockets. But I think longtime Suns fans think back to that season, and yeah. they'll tell you, like, that Jordan that was, was out of the moment. way. That you, was their moment. You thought you had it, and you didn't capitalize. This that Suns team moment. will have those exact same yep. feelings, I think, 20 years later. That was their um, moment. Number two, stay with the Suns real quick. Yep. There is no way Chris Paul ends up on another team. Oh, pump next the brakes. Season. Really? Oh, I could very easily see him with LeBron. Look, these guys are as close to brothers as you could possibly be without being birthed from the same mother. Chris Paul or LeBron James is godfather to Chris Paul's son. Mm-hmm. These guys vacation together in the offseason. Ride the banana boat. They met at the, yeah, the banana yeah, boat. I remember that picture. I mean, you know, that, yeah. The, the picture, you know what I mean. I made the, it. the picture says a thousand yeah. words. I mean, you know, we could just look at that. But uh, they, they met at the Olympics. close. The, yes. Anyway, <laughs> uh, they, they met in the Olympics. They figured out that it would, you know, they really liked hanging out with each other. They're similar in age. Yep. And. Look, I could very easily, and you know, Chris Paul has already played in L.A. before, so it's not like he's going to unfamiliar uh, territory. And once upon a time, like we talked about early in the podcast, he was supposed to be a member of the Lakers. So this would almost be like going back to fulfill that destiny Mm -hmm. a couple of years later. So I I could very easily see him being wild and having the opportunity to play with his good friend. Pump the brakes. Oh, you are? Okay. Financially, though, that's going to be difficult for the Lakers to free up that kind of cash. But, again, you know, we talked about Not if he opts out. Well, he's definitely opting out. Okay. So So what if he's willing to play for, for less money? He'd have to. Yes. Just give him the years and make it up. Like, you know, and I went back to this when this first came up, when the, when the idea that he would first opt out was talked about. There's a couple teams that if you have to do what you have to do, if you have to pay the luxury tax, if you have to, quote unquote, mortgage the future, the Lakers are one of the teams that can do that. And they are willing to do it they every will do, year. Because what's been happening in Los Angeles the last couple of years? Unacceptable. 
Oh, well, let me let me. Well, except I mean, for the bubble year. The bubble year, yes. Out. But beyond that, you know, this not been the, the stretch that the people that wear the purple and gold are used are to. Is today. it going to happen? I don't know. Yeah. There's so much that goes into that. Who knows where these conversations well, are happening? What I do know is to try to read into Chris Paul's demeanor and the way yes. he was speaking in a post game. Yes. Right after losing the championship is not is no. not the roadmap to no. reading that. No. Right. No. So could it happen? Right, I, if, let's put it this way. If, if the news breaks whenever these things can start to happen in the NBA that said he opted out and he has agreed to a three-year, $90 million deal with the Lakers, is anybody surprised? No. And he said he's definitely not retiring. So that was out. Like, That's out. Whatever you want to say, yeah. anything else, he definitely said retirement's out. Right, so let me he's ask playing you this. again. Let me ask you this. Let me do a little add-on to this particular one because it is a. It, it might sound crazy to some, but there are Suns fans out there that felt this way after the finals. His performance in the NBA Finals, pump the brakes or not, changed the way you thought about extending him with the Phoenix Suns. Pump the brakes for me. I'll let, I'm sorry. I don't know. You can't, in my mind, when you look at the impact and the influence and what Chris Paul meant to this year, this the Phoenix Suns this season, you can't separate out a small sample size, albeit on a higher stage, when you're evaluating what he means. Yep. You look at the development of DeAndre Ayton. Alone. That alone. Chris Paul gets credit, a lot of credit for that. You look at the – we knew what Book could do, but you look at the way he did it and the confidence he did it with. And didn't have to be a ball handler. Yeah. You, you look at that. You look at the – so if you're going to judge Chris Paul on a handful of games, understandably on the biggest stage, understand your, your disappointment in how it went down – that's wrong. Yeah. That is absolutely wrong. And right. I, I won't be surprised when the story comes out about whatever the injury that he had. We know the shoulder was bad. The wrist. We know he struggled with COVID because he got he missed two games because of COVID. Mm-hmm. But he physically never looked 100% in terms of how he was on the court. And then, Sean, you're absolutely right. The wrist. They had it. Uh, you know, they talked about it. They didn't show it on camera. But somebody who was at the game reporting on massaging the game said, it massaging the wrist. Keep it loose. And, you know, he, he would come off the court. Even if he was going to get a short blow, he put on the full sweats. Most of the guys weren't doing that. And he was covering up the wrist. So well, what me, was going on? There? I mean, the story will come out, and there was something. He was yeah. not 100% okay. healthy. Okay, well, then along those lines, let me throw up and play devil's advocate for the folks that actually feel that way about Chris Paul. Uh, this isn't the first time he hasn't been able to physically make it through an NBA playoff run. Uh, he's the That's only, been his M.O. He's the only player in history to blow four 2-0 leads in the playoffs. Yep. So there's that. So, you know, that's you add all that up, plus mm. the emotional feeling you have immediately after your team gets bounced from the finals. That kind of all leads to fans feeling a certain way. Okay, so did you pump the brakes? I he did. did. I'm pumping the brakes, too. All right. So let's just look at it. Let, let's, let's, let's break it down numbers. 11 seasons, no playoff appearance. One season with Chris Paul. Finals. NBA finals. Finals appearance. Yeah. That's – even if you took him at his player option at $44 million, he's worth that just because he got you from 11 years of nothing to one year and two games away, 14 wins yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah. So, yes, you definitely ha- – if you're Chris Paul, you hold all the cards yeah. here. However you want this thing to play out. If you want to do the one-year 44 hey. – I know they would sign him after that. If you want to opt out and, and get a long-term deal with years and, and 390, give him the money. Gee, if you're Robert Sarver, you can't not make this work. Chris Paul has single-handedly Savior. redeemed yes. your reputation. Yes, but, Mike, you said at the beginning of the podcast, I know I did. Though, 
I know I did. Those I, were your words. Like, we don't know if he's willing to do it. I said, and, and so I followed that up. I, and I still mean that I don't. But if you are, if, if, if he called me and said, Mike, what should I do? I'm on the fence here. I've Michael. talked to everybody. Michael. But, but you're the final word. Whatever you tell me. To, I'm like, are you crazy? Get your damn checkbook out right now. Cut it. Because this will never get better for you. You think people still, after all this time, remember that you let Joe Johnson walk? Amari Stoudemire. But just think about Joe Johnson, where that team was, and what might have happened if yeah. he came back. Mm. Yeah. And if you let Chris Paul go, you you got you got you yeah. you got to do it. Yeah. And if you don't, if he go, if his mind is made up that he's going to the Lakers, you need to go down fighting. You need to go down fighting publicly. Mm. All right. Because so he has saved your ass. He has saved your brand. You yeah. guys, you guys talked an awful lot about the potential movement in college football, but I don't know if we touched on this specifically. So pump the brakes or not. From a football standpoint, actually foot playing the game of football. Hello. Play the, play game. the game. Texas might be making a mistake going to the SEC. Oh, I don't disagree with that at all. They're, they're, you talk about somebody hurting their brand. The University of Texas is not going to be competitive in no. the SEC. No, not at all. They are not going to be a above 500 team in the SEC. They are going to be lucky to be 500. Dude, and I, you could, for different reasons, you could make the same argument about Oklahoma. Like, I don't even know how Oklahoma's brand has helped. Because Oklahoma is the big whatever you want to call them in the Big 12 You're right the now. draw. You're, you're the, the draw. draw. Whoever you play, if you're playing Iowa State, playing West Virginia, whoever it is, you're the draw. But, but okay, okay, but think about this, though. Oklahoma has been in the playoffs fairly fairly easily in, in you know, most of the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. How have they fared in the playoffs? When they go against those teams yeah. in the SEC, when they played Alabama, when they played Clemson, when they played Georgia, or Clemson's ACC, but when they played those top-tier teams, how did they fare? So to his point, just purely from a football from standpoint, a they should both Saturday, stay. Yeah, from a Saturday afternoon they should playing both stay. the game standpoint. Yeah. They got a better chance of getting to the playoffs in the there. Big 12. They Correct. should both stay. Yeah. Now, but, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, though. Recruiting-wise, and they both do okay recruiting as is, but re- recruiting-wise, does going to the SEC, being able to walk into a, li- a, na- a living room and tell a kid you're going to be playing on the SEC, that, that doesn't stage, help them. does it that help them help. at all? No, it does not help them because you already had the biggest recruiting coup in the world is that, look, we can go and pick everybody from this state. University of Texas could have their choice of any kid from Texas. And you know how Texas football yeah. gets down in high school. Yep. And if you have the pick of the litter from that, that, that pool of players, that talent pool in Texas, you can, you can basically build a champion if you know how to do it Look. right. And they haven't done it right. And, and Oklahoma routinely, routinely comes into Texas and take some of those good players, and they come back and beat Texas with those said players from high school. Door number one for Oklahoma and Texas is all uh, all the money that's involved here. Yes. Oh, ungodly. Door number two is every other reason to stay in the Big 12. Yeah. The, the school presidents are busting through door number one. That's all this is. Yeah. All right. Uh, the Olympics had the oh. uh, the opening oh, God. the opening ceremony in front of nobody the other uh, the, I think it was yesterday today. as a matter of it's fact today. yeah uh, if the, anybody waved I'm not watching right I, so I said too like what was the were people waving to did, nobody did you see it did no you, I didn't see it if, if I go back and watch it and I see somebody wave at anything I'm I'm not watching the Olympics I'm I, telling you I think it happened at like 1 a.m. our time or something stop it yeah <laughs> Stop it. I don't know, man. There's it's nobody like, in the stands. Who the hell are you waving you, at? Why are you even having a damn opening ceremony, in my opinion? 
It, the whole thing is weird. You could just have a big convention. You could just have a big dinner with all the different countries. You right. know what I mean? Like, you could just have a big outdoor party where everybody just, hey, nice to meet you. I'm so, from Ghana. I'm from United States. I'm from Germany. You know, whatever. Yeah. Dunker Shane. <laughs> you know? So, uh, a thousand Americans were polled. Just 37% said they're very or somewhat interested in the Olympics this year. Just 37%. I mean, 63% say they're not interested. But they were asked, name the event you're most excited to watch. No, track and field. See, I would say that too. Not even in the top five. I've got skateboarding. So you're clearly going to pump the brakes on this, but pump the brakes or not. Swimming is the most entertaining Olympic event. Entertaining? Well, that is number one is what people are most excited. Watch people move in the water. That's entertaining. You can't even see their face. 43% of those 1,000 Americans uh, that were polled, 43% say they're most excited to watch swimming. Get out of here. Pump the brakes, man. That, that's, that's absolutely insane. Number two is gymnastics, 39%. Okay, I'll go I kind of understand yeah, that. I understand I that. that, Simone. I get that. Diving is third. Who the hell watches diving? But you only get to see it every four years, though. That's true. But beach volleyball is fourth, and then basketball is fifth on this list. You know what? And because beach volleyball is up there, it's one of the reasons I really don't want to watch the Olympics. Because people are watching beach volleyball for all the wrong reasons. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. He's not wrong. Way. Yeah. You know, there was a big, you know, one of the teams was fined because the women's volleyball team did not want to wear the required uniform, which is basically Too much. bikini bottom. <laughs> no, I and, saw that. And, and they took Sweden, a, Sweden, Sweden or Finland? So, one of them Finland. Made. It was Finland. What were they so, trying to wear? They wanted to wear biker shorts. Oh, see, I thought they were going to go the other way. No. So so listen, they they took a picture next to the, the men. That's way too much. Yeah. They took a picture next to the men. The men had shirts and biker shorts. All right. The women had bikini top and bikini bottoms. Yeah. That's what it's become, man. We. Yeah. That's what Way. it is. Who's watching to see them go up and get a nice dig? 20% of Americans. Well, 20% of Americans. <laughs> they came in fourth. I did open myself up. Basketball was 19%. Uh, rest of the top 10 was... Boxing, track and field, baseball, and synchronized swimming. Did you I'll notice that uh, Simone Biles got her own hashtag? She's got her own with the goat, the goat the logo goat, and yeah. everything. Yeah, on her, on her, yeah, well. She's a badass. Yeah. All right. Uh, last one. All right. Because we got dad jokes and we've been here a minute. Yeah. Uh, this was apparently hot do- official, the, uh, the U.S. hot dog day oh, was gosh. like two days ago. The, the, how many hot dog days are there? There's at least three. So here's, Stop it. here's the question. Hot dogs are a sandwich. Oh, pump the brakes. We went through this. <laughs> we have not gone through this yeah, yet. Mike and I have gone through right. this. It, this is, it uh, is not a sandwich. It's a hot dog a sandwich, bro. No. No. So you're pumping the brakes, too? No. Uh, let me read this from Pump the, the brakes. Let, let me read this from oh uh, the USDA. We were so poor, my mom used to make peanut butter jelly sandwiches on hot dog buns. This is from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. True story. <laughs> uh, those who voted for a hot dog being a sandwich are not without support. Oh. Quote, the USDA says, a meat or poultry filling between two slices of bread, a bun, or a biscuit. So by definition... A hot dog is a sandwich. Then biscuits and gravy is a sandwich too, man, because you got sausage, gravy, biscuit. No, biscuit, sausage, sausage gravy, and biscuit. Top biscuit. Man. Yeah, that's sandwich. a sandwich. Sandwich. There you go. No. Yeah, no. Get it. Get it. Out. The they, they keep trying to put that to in each there. Each his it, own, man. Yeah. That, that, but get that out of here. Um, that's weak. Most the USDA though. Check this. My brother was on the school board, and we were having this conversation. He goes, 
At one point, the USDA used to say ketchup was a vegetable. Wow. Yeah. It comes from tomato, right? so it's a vegetable. The number one condiment in a hot dog, uh, mustard, according to that survey. You, you put hot ketchup on your hot dog, don't I you? I put ketchup on hot yeah, dog. What about man? relish? Love some relish. Really? Love relish. You I haven't had relish in at least two decades. I, I relish me some relish. I, mean, I couldn't tell you the last time I... G- give it to him. I couldn't tell you the last time I had relish, but it is delicious. <clears throat> it is delicious. I don't, I, like, I don't like anything pickle-related. We Sorry. have to make up some ground from last week, so time for dad jokes. All right, here we go. Here so we go. You know, the, <clears throat> you know the rules. You get one of those. Yep. If it's a good joke, you get one of these. If it's outstanding, we give you the uh, standing ovation. There you go. If it's not so great. I'm going for standing ovation tonight. If it's not so great, we hit you with one of those. All right, here we go. Here we go. I asked my wife if I was the only one she had ever been with. Uh Uh-oh. And she said yes. All the others were nines and tens. <laughs> that's very good. That's very good. That's very good. That may thank actually, you. We'll, we'll thank bump you. it thank up. You. We actually will. Thank you. That's actually thank pretty you. good. Thank you. Yeah. I'm back. I'm back, baby. I told you I'd be back. <laughs> so would you say I, I was the if she, if I was the only one she'd been with? All the others were nines and tens. Yeah. Bam. And in case you, uh, in case you're not paying attention, out of all the things we've ever talked about on the podcast, yeah. we've covered a lot of territory. Yeah. Bertrand's, you know, he's, he's let it let it fly sometimes. Uh-huh. When you know we agree, we disagree, or something right. happens. Right. Like you did, when you gave him, and he earned it last week. When I gave him. I don't mean. To, I'm not throwing you under the bus. He earned it. Yeah. He was mad. He was mad. He was I mad. Was like, no, no. I take pride in my. Out of all the things we talked about. I, uh, yeah. It hey, be training. Notre Dame football sucks, and that makes him mad. But when you gave him the horn, the one, one. No, man. No. I took that personally. He was, I, I was. I, I got like Tom Brady all of a sudden. And oh, can we? Can before we get out here, can we just talk about the damn rings? Dude, that the, pay, that the the Buccaneers got. They have. Three, have you seen that thing? Three hundred and nineteen diamonds. Ninety. Yeah. Yes. In there. To represent the score. 31 to 9. And I think you both have talked to this guy, a guy on Twitter. He's, he probably was on the radio show with us at some, some point. Sports tax man. Mm-hmm. I love him. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, by the way, tax does income. Grand. Taxed as income. Ten grand, and it comes out of your paycheck the next. So you don't get to declare it. They take it from you. Wait, wait, wait. What are we talking about? What? So that, that, that ring. ring is taxed as income. Ten grand. And it comes out of your paycheck, and it's going to be north of ten grand based on the valuation of the ring. Yeah. Wait a minute. I don't remember being taxed on my ring. You just didn't notice. I don't. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what was your so the. Well, uh, you know, mine wasn't. The it, it, it wasn't yeah, but it, it was still had to be enough to get to to get to ta- I mean, because you 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 get so much from the NFL, and then if the owners want to go above and beyond that, then they then can they, go and bid. The Buccaneer yeah. players have to pay taxes on their championship rings. Normally, that comes out to ten thousand dollars. That amount is deducted from their week one paycheck. And it's based on the fair market value of the ring they received. Yeah, so the more expensive the ring, the more you tax. The more diamonds I you get. S- well, speaking of the Olympics, I think a gold medal is roughly ten grand too, if I remember right. Every, every gold medal you bring home. I, but are they re- is it real gold, though? The gold medals be. are, yeah. Yeah, it has to be. Because you get, you get taxed about ten grand. Mm. How long is this thing going to go? I don't no, know. You two need to stop. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Stop it. Sorry. Right. Thanks for tuning in. Edition number 40. 40. Green and Gross. Appreciate you following us one more time. Give us a follow on Twitter. Give us some feedback. And be sure to subscribe wherever fine podcasts are found. We'll see you next time. We'll holler.